0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Staying Fit ODAT. My name is Migs, and I'm your host. ODAT is an acronym for one day at a time that I picked up in early sobriety and something that's stuck with me every day since. Welcome to our next episode of Staying Fit ODAT. My name is Migs. I'm your host. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, just friendly reminder for all of our listeners, you can really help out the podcast by leaving a rating or review. Those really do help a lot. They help for people that don't already know about this group or this podcast. It'll help pop up in their suggestions on whatever platform they're using. So please get out there Apple Podcasts, Podchaser. Those are two of the main ones where you can leave reviews. Please, please, please leave a rating or review. It really just helps us out tremendously. Uh, With that being said, we're going to go ahead and jump into today's interview. Uh, we have do you prefer Rod or Roderick, or how do you oh, like Rod? All right, yeah. cool. So, we have Rod on today. Rod has an awesome story, um, or I should say, an awesome project going on. I'll be honest, I don't know too much about his story, but really, what got me, um, lured into Rob today is the project that he's got going on this weekend, which is unbelievable. It's a phenomenal goal. There's a lot going on. I'm just going to leave that cliffhanger right there. Um, So that's your cue as well. Uh, We're not going to say anything about this until we get to that point in the interview because I want these listeners thinking, holy shit, what's going on? All right. Uh, With that being said, this interview, I I normally don't say the actual date of really when we're doing the interview because it's usually kind of irrelevant. But this interview is happening on Wednesday, September 8th. So for the relevance of when we're saying this weekend, this project that we're speaking of is happening on September 11th weekend. So... With that being said, we're going to go ahead and jump in. Why don't you introduce yourself uh, to our listeners, who you are, where you're from, and what you do for a living?
1: you bet. Uh, My name's Rod Baker. I live in Dodge City, Kansas, southwest corner of the state, population, roughly about 28, 30,000 or so, small, rural, cattle industry, agricultural. Um, I'm the operations coordinator out at FedEx. We have a FedEx station, which we put out about anywhere from 50 to 60 vans for the delivery service in uh, about three-state area. I'm going to the Mountain Time, go down south into Oklahoma, Texas, so I coordinate a lot of that stuff with new drivers, maintenance, things like that. I've worked for FedEx for about three, coming up on three and a half years, Uh, great career, great company, um, great benefits, so there's a lot to do out there. Um, I was actually born and raised, actually I wasn't born, but I was raised in Buckland, which is a real small, small town, population of 800 people, about 30 miles south here of Dodge City. Um, everybody just worked on the farm. Uh, got a younger brother, a couple years younger. He, I would be the black sheep. He's a good sheep. Either that or he just saw on the way the things I did and he never got caught, however you want to look at it. <laughs> um, but in the community of Buckland, I'll date myself. Um, I am 45 years old. But back then when I was growing up, we just cruised up and down Main Street, wasted our parents' gas, uh, small town, just not a lot to do besides drink, you know? There was an empty corner on the main street. That, you know, when I was growing up as a kid, we'd come back into town on a Friday, Saturday night. All the high schoolers are congregated there on the corner, hanging out, drinking, partying, just being mischievous, whatever, getting in some trouble. And when we'd go by there, I'd see those people over there. As a young kid, I'd be like, man, when I get in high school, I'm, that's going to be me. I'm going to be able to hang out on that corner, you know? So... Um, you know, as I grew up, I'm good Christian home family, great parents, uh, mom or dad wasn't an alcoholic. Uh, my dad quit drinking when I was probably 17, 18 years old when his, my grandfather, his dad passed away. Uh, I had a good friend of mine commit suicide all in about the same week. And he's just like, you know, I don't know if he quit drinking because he was trying to maybe be a, a better role model for me. Or if he thought maybe if he, and he didn't drink a lot, you know, he's just, you know, he goes, this got to a point, why do I drink? There's no really reason for it. I don't, if I get drunk, I don't like waking up feeling hungover. Um, But yeah, that's
0: that feeling. Wow. Like yeah. ima- imagine not getting enjoyment out of that. Like I had not being drunk. Holy shit. Right. <laughs> those, you know. those, and I'm using air quotes, but damn those normal people. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I call my wife, I've been married, oh uh, gosh, 23, coming up on 24 years in December, by the grace of God. And I mean, I've I've done about everything to push her away that you can think of, you know, and, and for the most part, but, uh, and she's kept me around. She's a fighter, but she's, I, you know, I give her a hard time all the time. She's quote, normal, you know, she may have a, a drink of wine or a glass of wine with some friends, or she may go on a girl's trip for a few days to Colorado and, you know, and have some drinks and then, you know, come back home and not that not ever think nothing of it. You know, I, I wasn't that way. I just wanted to drink. Like I said, growing up in that small town, we, once I got into high school, you know, there I was freshman, sophomore sitting on the empty street corner, like all those cool, cool high school kids that I had seen as I was growing up. Um, when I showed up, it was the life of the party. Granted, it's a small town. Uh, We always could get into a little mischievousness, a little trouble. Um, And back then, too, if the county sheriff would stop or the little town cop would stop, he would just say, hey, who's drinking? And we'd be like, well, you know, I am, we are, whatever. And he'd be like, back then it was, you know, just take it outside of town. I don't want to see it happen. When you come in, you better be going home. Um, You know, nowadays it's a lot more strict, even, I guess, in this area. You get hauled in and you get to make a phone call to your parents, get picked up and so on and so forth. But uh, when I showed up, I was kind of life of the party. I could drink more than you. Um, I was loud. I was obnoxious. Um, my wife would tell you even seven plus years sober, I'm still loud and I'm still obnoxious. You know, that's just <laughs> part. And I just, I kept, I kept those defects, I guess, with
0: me, you know. Same um, same here, brother. I, yeah. I, you know, some of that yeah. stuff doesn't, doesn't change. And it's, you know, we're, we're still at least for me, I'm still loud and I'm still obnoxious, but there's like a different spirit and a different attitude to it now.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. And I try to maybe maneuver some of that loud and obnoxious stuff into some other things, maybe being a little more productive too, but exactly, I'm I'm 45 years old, you know, I'm not young. I'm not old. I'm like that middle age, you know, I still like to have fun. I, you know, I, I run, I bike, uh, We've got two grown kids. One's 22 years old. He's in the Air Force, based in uh, New Mexico. Our daughter's 19. She's still in and out of the house. She's taking some classes. Uh, works I for definitely us want involved. to take
0: a second to say God bless your son and thank oh. him very very much for his service. We we appreciate him. You know, it's for it's it's because of all the men and women that fight in in our armed forces, all of the military branches. Because of all of those brave soldiers is why we can be who we are and and have the ability to be sitting down doing this right now so definitely hats off definitely definitely much prayers and love sent out to them and many safe trips and thanking again for their service
1: no thank you that's that's very appreciative um like i was saying our daughter she works for uh, united airlines we have a small airport here so um, good job for her wife's a school teacher of probably 12 plus years has her master's like I said she was normal you know she finished high school finished college got her master's uh, you know and loves to teach which is that's just her natural that's her calling but as I was growing up like I said in Buckland I, I was thinking right when we got on here you asked me like the first time I ever drank or uh, or drugged I was probably 14, 15 years old without doing the math, but I can remember it was my parents were having a 40th birthday party for my mom. And we were probably, gosh, I don't know, 13, 14 years old, 15 in that range. And I think the party must have been getting a little obnoxious. So they said, hey, you guys need to like go to your friend's house or so on. You know, I had a bunch of parents, and their friends over. So as we walked out the back of the back of our house where the, the birthday party was going on, we grabbed and snuck a couple beers just out of the fridge and thought we were really cool, 14 year olds or however, um, cracking these beers open and walking to a friend's house. And I can remember the first time, like I said that night, walking. I remember who I was with. I remember what it tasted like. Uh, some people say like as soon as they took that first drink, I mean that was it um and then other people say you know you have to acquire a taste of beer or whatever i was the latter you know i took a drink i'm like god damn you know this this doesn't taste very good but after a few drinks like i said being only 14 years old i'm like hey it's kind of got this little cool feeling to it though too you know i was probably 85 pounds at the time or whatever (laughs) um but then uh you know didn't drink a whole lot after that you know we'd you know we'd sneak off some beers from the parents and liquor or whatever if some parents were were away for a weekend and we were having a get-together or whatever but it was probably my junior year in high school and I like started um drinking I can remember going out with a buddy before our junior senior prom uh getting pretty drunk showing up to the prom I'm you know I'm sure we were a sight to see a bunch of idiots you know at the high school dance just drunk um and then that continued on when i was a junior i had an appendix rupture before a football game out here um played the game my story goes my dad's version is not as cool as mine but played the football game rode this bus all the way back to our hometown about 40 miles and they brought me up here to dodge city like at i don't know three or four in the morning had emergency surgery uh in the hospital for 11 or 12 days with a ruptured appendix, and, uh, but the whole next year, I kept having all these same, like, symptoms of appendicitis and, and, and issues, and we kept telling doctors, we're like, well, he's his appendix ruptured last year, so it's not that, well, I finally got diagnosed my senior year with Crohn's disease, so I got thrown in the, and if you're not familiar with Crohn's disease, I'll spare you the gory details and fun tests that you get to go through, but um the easiest way to say it is like in your guts your intestines when they when they uh get swolled up they'll close like this so when you eat your food and stuff can't can't pass like it normally should so i've had three major surgeries where they basically go in and cut out the bat and just hook it all back together um my first surgery was when i was 20 um i was living on my own um for a couple of years by then I actually had come to Dodge City Community College, where where we live now, on a track scholarship, to go back a little bit. Um, So I was that small town, I guess, jock, athlete, cool guy, whatever, you know. What did you run in
0: track? What's that? What did you run in track?
1: Uh, Back then, I was a sprinter. You could not pay me any amount of money to run anything over a 400. If I had to run an 800, I'm like, oh, sorry, coach, hamstring hurts, going to have to pull me, you know. <laughs> um, but you know, four by one relays, 100 did some triple jump, did some long jump, some mile relay, uh, and then they opened 400. So I was I was a spreader back then. but I was only um, like I said, I came here on a track scholarship to dodge, but I was only at the college, gosh, maybe a month or two. Um, I was enrolled for the whole first semester after my senior year, but I mean, I was maybe in my dorm room, off campus living, hanging out with buddies uh that was that was the first time I actually saw my first drug was when I was eight, I was 18 years old um like I said growing up in a small farming community of a whopping 800 people I know there was drugs dope and stuff going around but that just I, that was one of those imaginary lines I said I would never do I'm like I'm a, I'm a drinker you know I'm gonna drink I'm gonna have fun why do I want to drink I don't why do I want to do drugs I mean I'll never do that you know while I get to college smoked some weed with a bunch of football players I got to know that I got to know um, pretty well, hanging out. So, you know, there's one line I've crossed, you know, and, and then I've, like I said, I was just I'd recently been diagnosed with Crohn's. I was on a lot of medication, um, a lot of, uh, like pain, uh, pain medicine too, just for the, for the disease, for the Crohn's. Um, and that's probably where it all started to kind of tie in had uh, didn't really realize that until years later that that's probably about where it started it was in my um, late late 1819s the teens and then my early probably when i was around 20. Uh, ended up my dad ended up suggesting that first semester of christmas break at the college why don't you just leave the school and go get a job because he was a banker at the time and you know i had x amount of money in the bank going into college and i'm an idiot i wasn't jobs just back no atm cards yet I'm date myself again but <laughs> i just try to just go to the walmart or the dylan's grocery store twenty dollars cash twenty dollars cash like daily sometimes multiple times in the day to go get to get alcohol or or weed back then and so my dad could go to work every day and see my bank account just dwindling, dwindling away yeah and he's like well what the hell So of course, when he asked me about it over like Thanksgiving, I lied, you know. He's like, How much money you got? I'm like, Oh, I got plenty. Well, how's your classes? How's your grades? Big lie. So I wasn't going. And a couple of the teachers are like, I don't even know why you're here today because you've already missed enough class time. You've you've already failed. Um, so I lied. I said, Oh, they're doing great. Well, anyways, going into that month off for Christmas or whatever, he's like, Why don't you just come home? And I'd already gotten a part-time job with a buddy stock and pop at a three or four grocery stores back then that there was easy gig loaded a few trucks at night um so i'm like all right i'll I'll move back well this coca-cola franchise gosh 27 years ago or whatever they gave me an old piece of shit car and a fuel car that i could use to go drive around town to go to all the stores to stock them up so i'm using this got this car so i got transportation to and from 30 minute drive back to where i was staying with my mom and dad I had a fuel car, so I'm like, all right, this is pretty easy adulting. I don't know why my dad thinks it's so hard. Well, uh, I'd sometimes come home. Sometimes I wouldn't. You know, my mom's still cooking for me. She was doing my laundry, so I'm like, man, this is this is easy. Well, my dad, being a loan officer, vice president of the, of the small bank, he had a customer with a bunch of rental properties up here in Dodge City. He came home one day, and he's like, let's go. I'm like, where are we going? He's like, well, I found you a place to live. Do you think this is how how adulting is you're getting ready to find out really what it's like in so many words again my recollection and his recollection are a little bit different but anyways needless to say we drive to dodge and we meet this meet this gentleman at this property and we're in it just for a few seconds a couple minutes whatever my dad's like he'll take it i'm like well dang so now i'm absolutely no supervision i've got my own place so then it was just magnified you know Everybody that I had been going to school with acquaintances I had made, um, started hanging out, um, drugs, parties, fights, you know, no rules because it was my own place had a roommate. So it was just super cheap. And I just thought that was just kind of the norm. I'm in college. So yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna party. Um, so, so, uh, Ended up uh, meeting, um, like I said, just drinking and smoking weed back then. Every once in a while, if I had some issues with my Crohn's disease, you know, I'd have to see the doctor, and he'd he'd throw me a prescription, of, you know, hydrocodone or taboxy, whatever, you know, whatever whatever it might be at that time. So then, you know, I start mixing things, uh, not to an extent to where um, I couldn't work or anything like that. I consider myself I was always a functioning. Alcoholic and addict. I was never, I've never, I'm never late to work. I was never late to work. Always on time. I may not be very productive for you that day at work because I had a <laughs> long night or I was sick, but I was always there.
0: A lot of us uh, seem to mom always mom. show up somehow. Like you said, no matter yeah, how productive we are, we we seem to get there.
1: Right. You know, like like I said, I was never late. You know, I always knew when the liquor store opened, when the liquor store closed. You know, I was never late to meet the the dope lady. Um, back in the day, she was always late, of course, um, (laughs) never on time, but I was never late. So I ended up working for a a Pepsi Cola facility here in town for quite a few years, got married. Um, and then my Crohn's disease kind of progressed a little bit. So started, uh, more, uh, a couple more surgeries, a lot more tests and procedures, which aren't aren't fun. Um, with this, with this Crohn's disease are just not an easy. You just can't look at somebody with Crohn's and say, okay, here's what you need to do. You gotta do all these nasty, uh, uncomfortable tests. So did a bunch of doctrine and then got into the car sales business and that's where it really exploded. Um, I was a smoker. You smoked about a pack, of, pack and a half of Marlboro Reds a day, drink 12 pack of Mountain Dew. Um, that was just, that's just was kind of the norm for me. Uh, when I got in the car business, I know, uh, knew a couple of guys were, were uh, dabbling in some different, different lifestyles and different type of different drugs and whatever. And like I said, I was still a drinker. Um, and I wasn't always that, wasn't always that, uh, what I want to say, that blacked out, passed out guy. Um, granted, you know, I did quite a few, did, did, uh, the did kind of came and speak. That did happen on occasion, but, you know, chalk line outfit, chalk line uh, figure in the kitchen and stuff like that. I just consistently drank. You know, if we mow the yard, I drink. If we were out back grilling, I drink. If we were just hanging out on the back deck, I'm drinking. If it's Sunday, I'm watching a football game, a basketball game, a NASCAR race, just whatever, whatever we did, you know, kids' birthdays, family and friends come over. That was just an excuse to drink, you know, going on vacation. As soon as we got the hotel, first thing I did was go get some alcohol. You know, I can justify it Oh, It's a party. Well, it's a, I'm watching the Chiefs play. Oh, no, it's the World Series. You know, if you're if you're an addict or an alcoholic, we have no problem justifying um, what we're doing, in my opinion. I never did. Um, but as a, as I grew older into my old 30s or whatever, you know, watching our kids play sports. Our son was fortunate enough to play uh, basketball for a year in college um our daughter was pretty good i was a good athlete as well you know when they were younger growing up i was all my butt was always in the seat and stands watching him physically but up here i was just worried about okay when's halftime so i can go get a bump when's uh you know the game going to be over so i can make an excuse to leave the house to go meet the dope lady you know um i was always there for the games but i wasn't in the same aspect Um, But I was able to get sober towards my son's end of his high school career, which I was glad I did, of course. I was able to enjoy uh, another year of high school and some college basketball. Like I said, he's in the military now. Um, I uh, did some dumb stuff early into my sobriety. You know, Um, I thought I had to replace, you know, I wasn't drinking or drugging. So I had to replace with some. So here I am talking to another female. I'm married. Here I am talking to somebody I shouldn't be. And I, you know, I got it got exposed or got caught, however you want to look at it. And I mean that, like, brutalized him. You know, here he is a f- sophomore in high school, junior in high school, and you know, dad's already went to treatment. I'll get into that here after a bit. But uh, you know, it took it took a good solid few years to get our relationship back. He's 22 years old now, and I mean, we talk, we communicate, we text, we joke, we laugh. But I mean, it was it was it was very bad there for a while in our house, and it was all you know, it was all my doing too. I, you know, basically it had, had gone against everything he believed in and his mom and, and what have you. Um, but, uh, like I said, going back to selling cars, you know, I got to find out at a couple of the, the, uh, guys I was selling with in the cubicles beside me, you know, they were in some cocaine, some meth, um, our general sales manager, um, was into meth, cocaine. So then I got to thinking, I'm like, well, shit, I drink and stuff and we'll, we'll drink after work together and stuff, but maybe I ought to try something a little bit different, you know, I'm going to keep drinking, but well, you know, i never done cocaine or anything like that. Um, up until my mid thirties, probably give or take, uh, then my justification again was if my general sales manager is doing it, I'm doing it with him, with my coworkers. workers um, Nothing can happen to me. I can't get fired. You know, if I'm doing it with my boss, you know, it's basically game on and, and, and it all goes. The old so, justification uh, trick. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's justification. I'm like, well, shit, if I'm doing it with my boss, he can't fire me because he's doing it too. So I mean, you know, a vicious circle. Um, you know, and they always say you find out who your friends are when you get sober too, you know. When I went off the treatment, not one of them some bitches called to check on me, of course. And I very rarely talk to him anymore. A lot of them moved out of town and have different careers or just moved on to different things. And that's fine. You know, um, that's just one of the things that I remember at treatment. I was like, well, shit, we're, you find out who your real friends are. Well, we weren't really friends. We can say we were friends, but he had what I wanted and I had what he wanted. That's why we, you know, that's why we that's why we got along so well. Uh, then when I got back, I didn't have anything you wanted. Therefore, you know, I ended up moving careers and, and whatnot, but, uh, that was just another one of those things I told myself I would never do. You know, I always said, I'm never going to smoke weed, smoke weed. Um, I never, never going to do cocaine, did cocaine, never going to do this, did that. You know, it's just, you know, you just keep drawing those lines in the sand and I just te- kept stepping over every one of them just kept going. Um, really isolated myself from my wife for a long time. Uh, even to the day, like I said, I've been sober since May 23rd, 2014. My biggest character defect would be like that sharing, you know, that the, you know, your feelings and stuff like that. I still to the day struggle with that. And I, you know, that's something I try to work on, but you know, I all, I knew I had a problem, um, but I just couldn't tell her because I was afraid of Okay, she's going to take the kids and leave. I'm not going to have a place to live. I'm going to be kicked out. You know, all the bad, you know, all the reasons why not to tell her versus like, I'm at my wits end. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and I need help. Um, tried multiple times to tell her like, I need help. Like I could hear myself saying it, but there just wasn't nothing, nothing coming out, you know? Uh, like I said, we just, I mean, we're under the same roof but that was about it you know i pushed pushed them so far away because as they were growing up you know on a saturday or sunday kids were small they want to go play outside or go ride a bike or go fishing go camp and i would be like no just let me alone you know i'm two o'clock in the afternoon i'm working on a buzz i'm working on my high i got got to go meet such and such go pick up some dope just whatever whatever the case may be i always would tell them, no later no later no later you know and that's something that still, you know, I feel horrible about. But back then, that's just kind of the way, the way I was being caught up in that alcohol and that and that addiction. Uh, I was probably, let's see, I was thirty-eight years old. It was a Friday of Memorial Weekend of two thousand fourteen. Like I said, I went to treatment on May twenty-third, two thousand fourteen. Um, been sick. I mean, I robbed Peter to pay Paul so many times. Um, I'd skimmed off my paycheck so many times. I just had no, no more avenues basically to pursue, to keep my habit going, uh, arguments with my wife, you know, bringing home alcohol, bringing home liquor. And she's like, well, didn't you just go to the liquor store yesterday or the day before? I'm like, well, yeah, that's gone. (laughs) You had to get more and being normal and then being the alcoholic addict, I'm like, I got out, I got a case of beer. I got a bottle of vodka, whatever it might have been. I'm like, I'm freaking 38 years old. It's legal, you know. It's socially acceptable, you know. I'm not doing anything wrong because you know I'm not breaking the law by buying some alcohol because I'm of age. That was again how I would justify. We we we've been talking here recently a few times about hey, and she'd be like, remember when I get so irritated, and mad at you? You I'm like, yeah, and we'd argue because I'm I'm old enough. It's okay, but it's okay to a certain extent until you abuse it and it has to be part of your everyday, everyday life. And that's basically what, that's where it was with me. So I've been, like I said, that week, coming into Memorial Weekend in 2014, you know, I've been sick, I reached out to a couple people. A friend of mine is a counselor, was a counselor at the time at a drug and alcohol treatment center here. I called him, I was such a mess on the phone, I think I was upset, I was probably crying, Uh, dope sick, no alcohol. By the time I got done talking to him, he thought I was asking like for help for a friend of mine, you know, not until like a week or two later, kind of sunk in. He's like, well, shit, I better check on Rod. So he calls my wife. He's like, hey, is the Rod okay? And she's like, oh, actually, he's in treatment at such and such treatment center. He's like, damn, I thought so, you know. Um, so anyways, I, I called at a treatment center on that Friday. Like, I don't know, it was early, four or five in the morning. And they told me it was about two and a half hours away, treatment center called Valley Hope in uh, Mound Ridge, Kansas, and uh, asked if there's any beds. And there were medical detox. I tried to, you know, not drink and get off the opiates on my own. I, I'd get sick, and I just – I wanted a little help coming, you know, when I when I went into detox. Uh, so they said, yeah, if you can be here at 1 o'clock, um, we've got a bed for you. And I – they said I'd be in detox for however many days and then I could do inpatient treatment so I said great so with my Crohn's disease a lot of the drug issues I was able to mask with that Crohn's disease you know so if I was sick or if she knew I had gotten a script or something refilled or called the doctor "Oh, well, I've got issues in my stomach for my Crohn's that was my cover-up basically you know the kids have asked her like well why didn't you leave dad and she's like well For the most part, she, you know, she knew I I was a drinker, but she's like, for the most part, I just thought he was sick. Well, I was sick, but a different kind of sick, you know. Um, it wasn't always that Crohn's disease, but that was always my go-to, my cover up. Um, so when I told her, I said, Hey, I need to, I need I finally got the words to come out, I need help. And right when I said I need help, it was just like, you know, that monkey had gotten off my back a little bit. You know? For
0: sure. You said it out loud for the first time. Yeah.
1: And I tried for so long to tell her, just the words just it wouldn't come out of my mouth. So, anyways, I chose to go to this treatment center about two and a half hours away because I didn't want to. I had a good career at the time, even though I was drugging, and drinking, um, sold cars at this dealership for like 12 to, I don't know, 12, 13 years, built great customer relations, had a good customer base. Um, a lot of influential people in the, you know, in the, in the city, in the town and the surrounding areas. So I want, I didn't want to go to new chances, which is a treatment center here in town. I wanted to go away because of course now I'm ashamed. I'm guilty, you know, I'm a piece of shit. Like, oh my God, what are people going to think? Um, uh, so I showed up to this place that afternoon. And again, I wanted to go to this treatment center because it wasn't local. I wanted to get away from everybody. So I sit down with this lady and she's getting doing my intake, what have you, asking all these questions. And I can remember her saying, she goes, well, before we start, um, when you called up here this morning, the lady you talked to on the phone says she went to school with you. And I'm like, what the hell? I grew up in a town of 800 people. There's like 19 kids in my graduating class. It's tiny. It's small. And again, I wanted to go away. Well, I, I don't want to know anybody. So she tells me this nurse, she was one of the nurses tells me her name. I'm like, okay, she's a few years younger than me. No big deal. All right. We just wanted to make sure you're aware of that. Don't want any like conflicts. So, you know, and didn't want to make you feel uncomfortable. So, That's no no big deal. Um, man, she I'm so thankful that she ended up being one of my nurses through a majority of my detox when I was really at my lowest, you know, my lowest level, my lowest points. Um, so I ended up getting checked in. I was, I drank a little bit on the way. Um, what, few opiates i had left i took care of those before we headed to the place you know i'm still i'm not detoxing yet um so my wife gets pretty overwhelmed at this point she's like i'm leaving i'm like all right cool i'm 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 here in treatment you know so thinking i'm doing the right thing knowing i'm doing the right thing but you just it was a lot that i had hid from her i mean master manipulator uh smooth talker you know um so she got a lot to you know given to her from me in a short amount of time so she just got overwhelmed It was like okay I'm, I'm going back kids and so on so she comes on home get done doing the intake they show me where my my detox room is going to be uh so i'm like okay now what you know i'm thinking now what i do here is a friday holiday weekend so for one guess where the counselors were they'd already left for the you know it was a holiday weekend they'd left they'd left the clinic the the treatment center early so it's just their staff and their their nurses there so i'm sitting down in this commons area and there, it was co-ed that had men th- uh, males males and females usually had about 38 to 40 people pretty even um even even on both sides so i get out walk down this common commons area and i sit there and i'm like shit now what do i do i can't leave you no know, it's a long-ass walk back to dodge city um Don't have much money, you know, just brought a few things to, you know, to get me by. Uh, So out of the corner of my eye, I see this guy coming. He's got shiny cowboy boots on. He's got the Wranglers or whatever you want to call them, pressed jeans, a long sleeve cowboy shirt, all starched up and stuff, big ass belt buckle. And I'm kind of looking, Come I look up, he's got a hat on and it's a cousin of mine. Well, like a second cousin that kind of lives, lives in our area we would see each other frequently. So I look at him I'm like, well, what the hell are you doing here? I'm like, do you work here? He's like, no, I've been here for about 12 days, Rob. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, I'm an alcoholic. So oh, wow. there, and within the first few, few hours of me being at this treatment center where I didn't want to know anybody, I've got a little classmate and an actual, you know, a family member that, uh, you know, that was at the same treatment center. So, you know, the, the withdrawals, and what have you started coming on that next Saturday morning? Um, I was got put on some for a while to help to uh, help with the withdrawals. Uh, one thing about that, um, here I was 38 years old, had a small, I say small, he was probably early, early. I mean, he couldn't have been over 22, 23 years old. He he came up to me, knew I'd been pretty sick. And he's like, They got you on suboxing. I'm like, Yeah. And he goes, Well, you look a little bit better. I said, Well, I feel better. And he goes, did they tell you they would give you a script when you leave? I'm like, yeah. And I was like, all for that. You know, it's time. He's like, don't do it. I'm like, well, why not? He goes, well, you're going to have to come off of that eventually, too. So I just was on it for, you know, the the few weeks I was there, came off of it while I was at the treatment center, which I'm glad I listened to this. I'm going to say kid, listen to this young guy's advice, because I'm sure once I would have finally had to come off of it. And then oh.
0: that's,
1: you know, I'm not gonna withdraw. I don't wanna go through the pain and suffering. I'm just gonna go get high to alleviate the way I feel. Um, so when the detox really kicked in, um, I spent about four days on the bathroom floor in my detox room. There's three of us. The other two guys were pretty, pretty well off. So they were moving on to inpatients. So I basically had the room to myself in a bathroom, but I laid in the bathroom on a white tile floor, um i'm not embarrassed to say at this point i puked i shit myself um every fiber of my body hurt i like you said i don't have much hair uh what little hair i have hurt down to my toes i mean i just wanted to die you know i hated that feeling um to the point of like you know i'm gonna walk out and just hope a vehicle smokes me on this on the highway up there beside. So just i cannot i couldn't i couldn't even get up to do anything the nurses would come in and, um, I was an asshole, you know, I didn't feel good. Here I am a fucking uh, mess, you know, grown ass man can't even, you know, just sick, just sick. But that lasted about four or five days. And coming on that fourth or fifth day, I hadn't slept, you know, I couldn't sleep, couldn't get comfortable. I was sick. I was puking, I was shitting, whatever. Um, so I'm just, I'm wore out, you know, I just want a few minutes just to be by myself and let everything go away so um i've been missing these groups i was supposed to go to you know brushing them off i just was laying in bed or the detox bathroom in my in my room so i got up i got this hoodie on you know it's all woe is raw i've got the hood pulled down over my head my nose is all all running my eyes are all puffy and stuff well I walked into where we did our little morning roll call, and they're having a small opiate group that afternoon. Just happened to walk in. And there's about, I don't know, eight to 10 people in a, in a counselor in a circle doing their group. So I sit down, and I mean, I've got the whole chair rock thing going on, uh, got my hood down. Uh, the lady, her counselor's name was Karen. She was a, uh, one of the counselors there, and she's like, you just look like you need a hug. And I'm like, I look like, you know, I don't want nobody to touch me. Just, I'm just <laughs> I didn't even mean to walk into this room, but I'll sit down, you know? So I sit down there and I remember that there was uh, a parent, a set of parents there. It must've been like a parent day or something, but they were there visiting their daughter. Her name was, I remember her name was Crystal. So, uh, and I remember somebody saying the day before or earlier that day, somewhere that he, that her dad was either a preacher or a retired ordained minister, something along those lines. Well, I'm sitting there and this Karen counselor comes, gives me a hug. You know, of course, I'm a total asshole to her. Next thing I know, my co, the other patients, uh, clients there, they're all hugging on me. I'm just like, man, get the fuck off of me. I just don't want nobody touching. me. I'm just, let me sit my shit. You know, it's all about me. Um, I didn't care about what you're there for, what your experiences were. I I was just in, I was probably my lowest moment before, you know, coming into, before coming into treatment. But I finally looked at this guy and I'm sure I said it very rudely and with an attitude. Um, I'm like, so they say you're a preacher or a minister. He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, will you pray with me? Cause I mean, I thought I've tried everything else, you know, I'm like, it's not going to hurt, you know? Um, my wife had sent me Bible verses and a Bible, and you know, I tried to read it, but I just, I just couldn't do it. So he's like, "Yeah, after this group, we'll go in this this treatment facility had a chapel as well. So uh, we go down, and you know, here I am. I'm feeling sorry for myself. I'm just in a real bad bad spot. <clears throat> and we sit down in that chapel, and it, to me, it seemed like it was like five five minute prayer. It seemed like it lasted forever. I'm sure it was like thirty seconds. Um, I don't remember what he said. Um, at the end, you just patted me on, on my back and said, it'll, it'll be all right. It's going to work out. And I'm like, yeah, easy for you, if I can say, because you're, you're not where I'm at. You know, So I, I shuffled my little sorry ass back down to my room. And at that time, I was just sharing a room with one other person. So my whole mindset as I'm going back down to my room, this is kind of like that aha moment everybody seems to have or they say that you have somewhere, um, your spiritual awakening, however you wanna, however you want to phrase it. Um, my whole mindset was, I want to get to my room. I just want to fall face down in my bed. I just want like five minutes. I have not had any sleep for like four or five days now. Right, just been sick. I just wanted five minutes of just silence, nothing hurting, nothing to go to. So I go to my room, come around the corner, and they had a little key key card you use for your room. And I happen to look on the little table they had outside your rooms. So it's like the new, your new bed sheets. So I'm like, oh, those need change. So. I grab them, I walk in, I strip my bed, I make my bed properly, neatly, nicely. And then it was just set up like a hotel room. So, two two beds, had a bathroom and a sink out here. So, I start straightening up our, my dresser, um, started kind of straightening up and everything. I'm like, wait a minute. I told myself I just I was feeling sorry for myself. I just want to, well, I'm supposed to be feeling sorry for myself laying in this bed. But from the time that this preacher guy, this minister, or whatever, had prayed with me and by the time I got back to my room it was just like that I don't know it wasn't like a monkey come off my back but it was like that poison that hurt that sickness that woe is me feeling had been lifted I mean I still felt like total dog shit don't get me wrong but I was feeling better so I walked back out um, into the commons area and everybody's like looking up at me you know they're sitting there hanging out they're like who's this guy and I'm like, well, what do you mean? They're like, you walked by 20 minutes ago, pale as a ghost. You didn't say two words to us. Now you come back out of your room 20 minutes later and you've got some color to your face. Uh, you almost are cracking a smile. I said, I don't know. I talked to old girl's dad down there and he prayed with me. I don't, I don't know. I'm just feeling better. You know, It didn't happen all stuck yet that you know, it was that guy upstairs. I'll say God, who I choose to call my higher power um what was really pushed me in the right direction and from then on you know i was there probably another three or four weeks of treatment um and then came home uh but that was one of the big things that i remember like that ha ha, that spiritual awakening that really caught my attention because i was like i'm not supposed i'm supposed to be feeling sorry for myself and here by the time i got from chapel a couple hundred feet down a couple halls to my room it was just like everything was was better and getting better and was going to be better, you know. Um,
0: you yeah, had a complete and, um, spiritual overtaking.
1: Yeah, exactly, and that's exactly what it was. I've told told that to multiple people. Sometimes I like to throw in uh, the word. It's probably just a coincidence, just to get somebody else's opinion. And everybody's like, "No, Rod, that was a God thing. That was a spiritual thing," you know. Which I, I know it was.
0: Um, I just heard actually an interesting quote. I was on the, on the way home. I was talking to a, a friend of mine who's also in recovery and uh, he told me something he used to hear early on was that uh coincidence is just God's way of intervening. I like that. And I was like, Oh, I, I like that a lot. It's like, there's, mm-hmm. they don't really believe in a coincidence. That's just God intervening. And I was like, yeah. that is, that is really cool. and And it's funny too. Cause I actually told him, I said, you know, it's probably next time I do a podcast interview, I'm gonna try and find a way to like bring that up. And of course, you just like you threw that one right down the middle, like, <laughs> oh, pitch that one. See, it just what what do you know? I would I would say that's also a coincidence, but you know, I feel like I'd be just contradicting what I just said. So it was, <laughs> right? it was all it was just set up for us right there.
1: Yeah, it's just things like that that before I got clean and sober, I would have never noticed. You know, now I notice stuff like that. Not daily, but you know, you it just catches my attention. Like uh, when I was at treatment, we would walk a block down the street, and there would be different AA or NA groups come to this small town to put a meeting on every night, like at seven or eight o'clock. And I remember one one night, there's this old guy. He talked real slow. You know, he's handing the little greetings to people, and I'm like, this dude doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. You know, I'm in treatment. I've been clean like maybe three weeks or whatever. And I know, you know, I know everything, you know, I'm going to save everybody. And this guy's doing this meeting actually ended up being a good meeting, you know, but I judged him from the, the second I walked into this room, judging the time I was there and shit, I was still judging him when I walked out of the meeting next day. I opened up my daily reflection book and it said in so many words, it's not about the messenger. It's about the message. So it didn't matter about this dude that I was judging the whole time. That I didn't think was very good. It was about did I get that message, which I did, you know. So I'm like, okay, another one of those little things from your higher power, or whatever, however you want to say it. Like, hey, right, garage you idiot, just stop, you know. We got this. But they always say not to go back to your people, places, and things. Well, <clears throat> when I left to go to treatment, um, I was able to keep my job. Um, was paid. Uh, Why I was gone even of course I had to pay that back over a period of time uh, but I had to have a job you know I still had a house payment uh, somehow I still had a family a wife a house a car you know so I did go back for a few months and then switch uh switch gears to another uh car dealership in in the community for about a few years then I finally retired like back in gosh I don't know 2014 or so selling cars about seven years ago Um, but then I was able to start, uh, giving back a buddy of mine, a friend of mine that I had called before I went to treatment. He works at the treatment center here. He's actually the executive director. Now, um, I was able to start working out of new chance, which is our drug and alcohol treatment center, um, with the clients in the back. And that was very soothing and therapeutic to me because now I've been on both sides, I've been the client and in detox inpatient, and I've also been on the other side of the glass or what have you, um, working with said client and detox inpatient and what have you. So uh, when guys would come into the treatment center, I ended up working there for about three and a half years and left, um, on a year and a half ago when COVID came and they had to close down for a while because, of course, you couldn't take clients and stuff. Then I was working two full-time jobs, basically, working for the facility and uh, working like 30, a little over 30 hours out at FedEx too. So again, that's that addictive thinking. I thought as long as I'm working and I'm not at home very much, I've been, you know, I've been sober back then four years or so when I started working two jobs, but that distorted thinking of mine is as long as I'm not at home, I can't fuck shit up. Right. (laughs) If I'm not home, she can't get mad at me. I can't say something wrong to the kids. I can't make a bad comment. I can't make a you know what I'm saying? If I'm not there, if I'm just literally coming by to shit, shower and shave and go to the next job or get a few hours of sleep, all is well. But that's so far from the that's so far from the truth because she wants me around, my kids want me around, you know. I need to be around. So a lot of people have their own opinions about COVID, just for a personal. Uh, personal effect for me that was the best thing that ever came because it really opened my eyes when I was only working one job I'm like shit we got all this time on our hands we could be doing stuff and I, and I told my wife I'm like do I need to work two jobs and she's like no I don't know why you feel you need to so you know I took a step back from the treatment center and told told my friend the executive director I said hey this is what I've got going on in my head. You know, I need to be at home more and just focus on one job, which she's totally cool and understood it. But, you know, we've been able to travel in the last 18 months when I'm just working one job. Like I said, our daughter works for United Airlines, so we can hop on the plane jet here and go anywhere for next to nothing. Uh, I would have never been able to do anything like this if I had kept drinking and drugging, you know. I would have bankrupt us. Uh, my wife would have divorced me. Kids would hate me. You know, um, we're right in the process. We just put our house that I'm in right now. We put it on the market a week and a half ago. Uh, we sold it on Friday. So we've been frantically looking for somewhere to rent. You know, like shit. The housing market's crazy. You know, stuff like that. And we've it's just all flowed. It's just the last few months with the craziness. As it's just all just flowed perfectly along, which would never have happened if I was still still drunk, still drinking. Second chances, uh, are,
0: the second chances in life like through recovery are just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a little over three years, so you have a little more than double that amount of time. So you know, mm-hmm. way even way more than I do, but these opportunities that we're given in life, these, these second chances are just like, they really are second to none the way we can just like take advantage, enjoy our family the way we're supposed to you know, our, our wives or it's just, it's, it's almost like it makes me speechless sometimes when I just really sit back and think of, of the opportunities that we really are given. Um, Oh, sure. So for you, where does, I know you said you were an athlete, you did track all that when you were younger. Um, when, when does running come back into play during your recovery now?
1: I, uh, I kept drinking. I started running when I, probably back in 2001 again, 2002, when I started working at this dealership, the owner is a, he's 20 years older than me. So he's like 65 currently. Um, but he was an avid runner, bicyclist. He's been on, he's on, he may still be, I don't know, but he was on cycling teams across the state. He would go race on the weekends. So I started running with him. I quit smoking first. That was the first thing I did. And I never thought I could quit smoking and still drink, but I was able to do it. So I would start, I started running uh, back then. I ran a marathon back in 2006. Um, You remember
0: your time? Just a little over four hours. Okay. It's pretty quick. It's pretty fast for the first one.
1: Yeah. That's the only one I've done. Well, I did three of them in 24 hours last year. But got a little bit. That's the only actual true like marathon race I've ever done. I've done a bunch of half marathons, 5Ks, 10Ks, stuff like that. Um, but like I said, I was just master manipulator. So I was always, even though I might have had beers, drinks, got high the night before, I was still running with him the next morning, you know. Um, but here I'd say the last few years is where it's really um, – came back into my life I guess. Uh I'd go out for a 5k run just on my own, I have a bunch of different routes I like to do here in Dodge City. Um it's really became very therapeutic. Um I like to go to AA meetings, NA meetings here in town. We've got meetings both both groups have meetings every night. Some even during the day. Uh so there's never an excuse not to go to a meeting, you know. Um but I just like to put in the the earbuds or whatever you want to call them, put on my shoes and just go put my phone. So I got some music in my pocket and just take off. It may be a mile. It might be 20 miles, you know, just I'll be back whenever kind of give my wife and I general idea where I'm going to be. And sometimes I've ran just one direction from, and this last training cycle I've been on for this, this coming up weekend. Uh, one of the Sunday long runs was 20 miles. So I Google on my phone to the what's 20 miles close well there's another super small town from dodge exactly 20 miles so i ran from my door to the city limit sign in this small town called ford kansas and my wife just drove down and picked me up when i you know shot her text said hey leave at 9 30 in the morning i'll i'll be ready you know just stuff like that it's just man i can solve freaking world's problems when i'm out running too you know you get in those in-depth
0: it really crazy, does feel that way it's
1: conversations like, with yourself I think you maybe lift more just from maybe some of the stuff I've seen on your on your social media but I've got friends that lift that's like their outlet you know I may give them a hard time because they're strong they got muscles or I'm I'm weigh 186 pounds and I'm 6'1 but I can outrun them you know I don't I don't like to lift weights
0: well, I will tell you, running is actually my, my true obsession. Um, oh, the, awesome. the, the weightlifting is mainly because I, my, my run coach. So my, my main goal is to qualify for the Boston marathon. Awesome. Um, nice. and so I broke my ankle a year and a half ago. And when I came back, I got a run coach and like, she like harped on me for uh, cross training and I slacked off. I didn't cross train anywhere near as much as I should. And then I got another injury. And so, you know, of course she's harping on me in, in the right way. Like you got to cross train, you got to cross train, you know, you gotta, you you gotta do it. It's very important, especially for injury prevention. So right now I've been doing like, and I mean, mainly that's for like TikTok purposes too. Cause it's really easy to just like get, get little videos in the gym mm-hmm. from different angles here and there and put up like those motivational, but like running is my, my true, my true, true passion. I actually have a half marathon this weekend that I'm running on Sunday. It's a, it's a tune-up for a marathon that I have in October, which is hopefully I'll be able to qualify for Boston in March is the goal. But yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like when I'm out running, like, like you said, I feel like I can solve the world's problems. I like just it's, I'm, I'm at peace with myself. I'm listening to podcasts when I'm out there and it's just, yeah, running, running is, that became my true, true passion, especially when I, when I sobered up um, I would just run the meetings and it was just extra time uh, that I was sober. They told me if you come to a meeting, you're sober for an hour. So I figured sure. well, if I, if I run to the meeting and run home, then that's, that's more than an hour. And like, that just, it All added right. up for me. And yeah. So I'm right there with you. Um, that's awesome. So let's, let's, I, don't, I, I can't hold back on it anymore. Let's talk about Let's talk about the goal. Let's talk about what you did last year and what you're doing this weekend. Go ahead and just fill us in.
1: All right. So last year, you know, with COVID, uh, I hate to even bring that up again. But all the like the 5K races, you know, they were non-existent. So everything went virtual. So I don't even remember last year how I found it. If it was on Twitter, if it was on TikTok, Instagram, I don't know. But I came across this organization called Addict to Athletes. They're based out of Salt Lake City, Utah.
0: Shout out Blue Robinson. I had a chance yes. to interview him. His, uh, his, by the time you're listening to this, his episode is definitely live. Actually, it's already live even before we interviewed this.
1: Yeah. So he's a good dude. We've had some communication back and forth. So that just kind of caught my cool Addict to Athletes. So they had a virtual 5K because in September, being it's recovery month, they put on a, a 5k race and some other things to raise money for their organization. So I sent my $40, 30, $40 in, I got like a shirt and then I got some red, white, and black bracelets to say like at ad, ad, uh, addict athlete on uh, the, the white uh, signifies if you're in recovery, the red bracelet uh, signifies you're in active addiction, alcoholism, or, you know, a family member or friend that's in active use. And then the black bracelet, well, that's kind of self-explanatory. You lost somebody uh, to addiction, alcohol, mental health, what what the case may be. So I told my wife, I said, hey, spent 40 bucks. Check out the shirt I got, you know, whatever it was at the time. And uh, then they had a fundraising. You could go on and raise money for their organization through the month of September or what have you. So, again, I've been clean and sober over seven years. But my thinking is still like, you know, I'm a, I'm a competitor, right? So it's still go big or go home. So I told my wife, I'm like, man, so I did this 5K, but shit, anybody can do a 5K, you know, with, with a few months, few weeks, you can walk it, jog it, run it, ride it, whatever. So I'm like, okay, cool. Well, anybody can do a 5K. So what's so cool about that, right? So I told her where, where our house is located in the north part of town I have what's called the square. We I call it the square. It's just a two-mile square, four streets, square. So I can tell my wife, like, hey, I'm going to go around the square a few times or what have you. What have you. So I told her, I said, I think I'm going to do something else besides this 5K. She's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I'm going to run around the square for 24 hours. Immediately without hesitation, she, she says, I'm not staying up for 24 hours. I'm like, babe, I'm not asking you to stay up with me for 24 <laughs> hours, um, but – I'm going to do that just because that's what I feel right here this time last year. That's what I feel led to do. That's just, I need to spread awareness, right? So I was able to raise just shy of like a thousand bucks, thousand dollars for this addict athlete. And we sent it to him and what have you over the course of a few weeks. But this was like the end of July, maybe first of August when I decided to do this. And I've been running off and on through the summer. Uh, the furthest I'd run was probably six to eight miles at one time. Not 68, six to eight miles. So I'm like, well, shoot, September's recovery month. So I picked the last weekend of the month just to give me as much time, you know, as I, as I could, as many runs in as I could. So September 26th through September 27th, um, I was on this two mile square for 24 hours moving forward. My only goal was just to stay out there for 24 hours on this, like I said, it was two mile square. Um, A buddy of mine, I let him in on what I was was doing. He's like, dude, call the paper, call the radio station, call the news, put it on your social media, have your wife or daughter put it on Facebook. I'm like, no, this is something I'm going to do because it's just something I felt, you know, not in a selfish way, but it's just something that I felt I needed and wanted to do. So after like three, four, five days of him every day, text me, email me, calling, like, dude, did you call the radio station? Hey, did you call the news? I'm like, Jesus, dude. So basically just to shut him up, I sent a very simple, plain and generic email to everybody, like the news place here in the state of Kansas, our paper, and a friend at a radio station. Well, long story short, um, the state news out of Wichita, Kansas, which is like where all the news agencies are located, is about three, two and two and a half, three hours away to the east. Um, A reporter called, emailed and called me back, said, Hey, we would like to do a story about your run. I'm like, shit. Okay. So she comes down there's a great piece. So now instead of just me being out there, one spread awareness is all over the state of Kansas. This idiot wanted to run 24 <laughs> hours to raise awareness for recovery month. Then the paper, our local paper did a, a big front page article and put it on their Saturday morning paper, which was the day I ran um, like I said, my daughter put it on a couple of different Facebook groups and stuff and had thousands, thousands of likes, comments, impressions, you know, people saying, hey, my son was killed to an overdose, lost, lost my son to an overdose, my daughter, go get him, Rod, whatever, you know, whatever the well wishes might have been. And then, uh, and then uh, we ended up having the local cross country team, I walked out just to- a second. I walked out the uh, door to go start this run. I looked down in the corner, our local college cross country team was there and they were in the first mile with me. Um, I got linked up with Twitter with a family whose son had died to, uh, to a drug overdose last July, which was just like I said, a couple, a couple months before my run last year. We've stayed in contact currently. So my goal last year was to make it 24 hours moving forward. Uh, somehow ended up making, uh, getting 90.5 miles in, um, raised a little money for the addict athletes, which was cool. Um, the, I guess last year, my only goal, like I said, was just keep moving forward. I didn't care how many miles, if it was 20 miles, if it was 40 miles, like I said, it ended up being 90. If somebody, the drug and alcohol treatment center, they brought two different groups out. So I'd stop and walk. If somebody pulled up beside me or parked their car and wanted to talk to me, I'd, I'd stop and talk to them, you know? Um, it was brutal. My, both my outsides of my feet kind of halfway between your, I guess your ankle and your toes, they were both swollen up like uh, baseball's black and blue. I lost, I think three toenails. I cramped up super bad about four o'clock in the morning. I found out if you guzzle a uh, pickle juice right out of the, right out of the jar that instantly helped my cramps. I thought it was pretty gross, but man, it was like night day difference. So, uh, After I got healed up from that, I mean, there's we we ended up reaching all over the country, really, from Florida to Kansas and to a few other places. And so probably a month or two, three months after that run last September, I told myself mentally that hey, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do it again next September. And last September 26th and 27th, we had record highs of 100 degrees in Kansas that day.
0: So it was disturbing.
1: Yeah, it was hot. I went into the pain cave, what I like to call the pain cave, about three, four o'clock in the afternoon. A friend of mine came, drove by, honked, waved, and I—I I, I don't think I flipped him off, but I like looked at him and didn't say a word because I mean it was—it was hot, you know. Uh, our daughter, she's my crew chief. She had a car out there, flashing lights. or was on a bike. I mean, after about an hour, hour and a half into this run. All I had to do was like look at her and she knew exactly what I needed, whether it was water, whether whether it was like Gatorade, Powerade, sports drink, uh, salt replacement, you know, uh, salt replacement drink, salt, whatever, food, you know, she was, I couldn't have done it without her for sure. And of course, she'll be my crew chief again this weekend. But I decided to this year try to make it a little bit bigger. Um, unfortunately, I've reached out to... Uh, two of the three news state news organizations and this year I just you know had haven't heard back from them which is great that's fine no, no worries I did a, a, a radio call in this morning with the local radio it was live plus they recorded it it's like maybe eight to ten minutes so they're gonna uh, play it a few more times between now and then um, we started making shirts I've got one on actually uh, awareness run 24-hour run September 11th the 12th
0: this is it too late awesome. for me to get one of those
1: yeah. You can go to my website. It's at a uh, run for my life, 2020.com. Um, um, there's a link in there. And this recovery army outreach is a nonprofit in Philadelphia, I think, which is up kind of in your neighborhood. If I, if yeah. I remember right. As um, a friend of mine, I've met through social media. We've just clicked. We talk more on the phone and text on a personal basis basis than you know, like through an app, but him and his wife are actually coming to Dodge city. They'll, they'll be in town tomorrow afternoon. Um, So him and I are doing a speaking tour this year. Uh, We're going to the treatment center on Friday morning for three hours to talk to all the clients, inpatient and outpatient. We're going to my old uh, high school where I graduated from, which I shared about earlier, 30 minutes away that afternoon for an hour. And they're doing a uh, NA speaker jam uh, Friday night and we're gonna speak at it too. So we've got speaking engagements. I'm also on the Ford County Suicide Prevention Coalition Board here in town. Um, so I've raised money for them as well. Uh, they've invited a lot of people to come out this year and do a 5k when I start, um, which is cool for free, no sign up, just whoever's there is there. Um, and also this is actually suicide prevention awareness week. Um, so this weekend will be the tail end of, of suicide prevention week. They're doing a, like at five 30 or six o'clock PM while I'm running. Uh, we've got a big school parking lot where we're going to kind of be stationed uh, they're doing a hamburger feed, uh, feeding the first 200 people with hamburgers and, and everything, which will just draw more awareness, more people up there. Um, I've got a there's a CrossFit group here in town. A buddy of mine is, owns it, or runs it, however you want to say it. A bunch of them are going to come out either throughout the day. At one point, he's going to have a sign up sheet for his athletes to come just all 24 hours. I'm like, well, that's cool. I have like a pacer and stuff. Um, I don't know if that's came to fruition or not, um, but it's just all there is, we didn't get the news on board this year, which I was a little, you know, I was a little butthurt about a little bit. I'm like, well, man, it's recovery month, mental health, addiction, alcoholism. Every, I like to say everybody knows somebody that has struggled with that or themselves personally, um, which is fine. But I think locally we've got so much more going on this year with it. Like I said last year, My goal was just to go 24 hours, just make it 24 hours, which I did. And like I said, somehow ended up with 90.5 miles. So now this year, um, I'm really debating. I want to, of course, make it 24 hours. Uh, I want to do more than 90.5 miles. So that was just shy of three and a half marathons. You can do the math for me if you want. Pretty close. Uh, But if I could get to 104.8 miles, that's four full marathons in 24 hours so i've done the math and i've got to come up with about three hours compared to last year to cover that last 15 miles um so there's going to be less talking if somebody comes out i may stop for a few seconds i'll say hey thanks you're more than welcome to walk a lap but i'm not going to walk the whole thing with you because i got you know um i don't know if you've heard you probably have heard of david goggins oh yeah that's like if you got a man crush, and I'll, I'll be honest. Bro, to say, I'm
0: right there with you.
1: Him and Mark Wahlberg and The Rock, their workout, their work ethics, how they wake up at 3, 4 in the morning and, like, Mark Wahlberg and The Rock, and they go work out. They have two or three workouts in before normal people even get out of bed. You know, just that. And it's easier when, you know, I guess, if you have the money, and that's basically all you do, too. But that David Goggins man and my buddy with this, Mike, uh, Recovery Army Mike, he's on TikTok. Um, with this recovery Army outreach, that's one of his idols, I guess you could say, too. So, I mean, we're just going to do some Goggins shit this weekend. It's record highs again. It's supposed to be 101 on Saturday. So, we're going to fight the heat. I'm going to go for 104.8 miles. That like said, David
0: Goggins book, I heard that shit on audiobook, and I listened to it. I I was just listening to it over and over. I probably listened to it, like, just – I I I probably spent – It's I mean, it's already, like – I don't even know like I, I think it's like an eight or nine hour book mm-hmm. and I I probably spent like over 20 hours on that book like just oh, it's amazing it's, it's yeah. so good I've read it I need to get the audio one that'd
1: probably be something good to listen to this weekend but I've read it twice just you know on a download on my phone and I love I can watch his YouTube videos all day long yeah um, he's right. just
0: unbelievable and I love it too. And you'll experience this this weekend. But when you when you think you're done, when you think you have nothing left, you remember what he says. You have forty percent left. Up, you know. <laughs> yeah, when you he says when you think you're done, when your when your body thinks it's done, you you still have forty percent left. That's right. So and
1: one quick. I know we're we've been on it a little over an hour already. Uh, one thing about my run last year, you know, some, you know, a lot of people are like why do you want to do that you know it's not a why i want to do that it's a i get to do that you know i'm fortunate enough to do that it's it's fucking excuse my language it's fucking 24 hours that's it you know i i know from saturday at nine o'clock in the morning i'm gonna start and on sunday at 9 a.m i get to quit there's men and women all over the world in that 24 hour span that are out there still sick and suffering they're detoxing they're going through withdrawals they don't have a place to live they're homeless they're fighting mental health they're fighting depression i mean suicide whatever the case is i, I fuck man all i gotta do is stay on this fucking square for 24 hours and i get no. To, it makes uh, you know i get to come home take a shower i get to eat i get to cry and complain to my wife because my body is beaten up by that time and i get to go fucking sleep You know, it's, if you, that's see, I get goosebumps just talking about it. That's it's, it's simple. If you think about it that way, you know what I mean? And I'm doing it for those sick and suffering that, that can't yet. If that makes sense, you know, it makes
0: a lot of sense. And it, this, see this run hits, it hits home for me really, really hard because my uncle was, he was an addict and Mm. he, he dealt with addiction, specifically cocaine and when he couldn't take it anymore, he ended his own life. So, you know, addiction and suicide, they both, not even just for myself, they both hit home for me very, very hard. So it, and, and my other uncle who I was very close with as well, he overdosed when I was younger. Mm -hmm. So they it's addiction, addiction and suicide. They both hit home for me very, very hard, even outside of my own issues but this this run, just watching what you're doing, it means a lot to me as well. Um, which is why, oh, so first first, what kind of tr- what kind of training? I mean, I I know you uh-huh. going out there and doing these runs. Any anything specific you did to prepare for this? Yeah.
1: yeah, I printed off. I started back in. I have to look. I believe it was April. The for like the first week of April, and printed out a 28 week program. Which hindsight, you know, I can arm. I can go back and look at it differently. I think I, I mean, I already had a good base built up. I don't think I necessarily needed to start that early because I got into like a runner's depression after day, after day, after day. I just, I got, I got burnt out, you know, the last eight weeks and just, you know, I ran, but it hasn't, you know, wasn't like it should be, um, miss a day here and there miss some miles here and there. Um, then I got on a little streak about two months ago my wife's like, shoot, She's normal, you know, and she's like, maybe you ought to call your buddy Mike in Philadelphia and just cancel it. I'm like, that was kind of rude. She's like, well, you ain't running. How are you going to expect to finish and do hundred miles in 24 hours? You know? And I was like, well, that's kind of rude, but that was kind of a, a wake up, you know, a wake up like, dude, you know, should have got off the pot. Are we going to do this or aren't we? You know, um, I've ran way more leading into this weekend than I did last year. But last year, we had built somewhat of a garage gym with COVID and nothing to do. So my wife and I, we worked out from May through September at least four or five times a day or four four or five times a week. I haven't done that this year. So I'm hoping the more running will offset the the lack of weight training and stuff. So, I mean, it's 24 hours. That's what I'm going to do. There's going to be tons of people out and about, I think, throughout the 24 hours um you know again why you do it for 24 hours because i can only be um clean and sober for 24 hours at a time too you know you've got you've got three years i've got seven years and my spot so i still have a sponsor to the day that i still talk to he's got 30 years um just turned over 30 years this past may but he's like doesn't matter if you got 30 years seven years three years whoever woke up first this morning has the most clean time because you can only get it. 24 hours at a time. When he told me that years ago, early in sobriety, I'm like, that's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but now, you know, I've told that to so many people, some sponsees. I said, just, that's cool. We get, it. you know, we get our one years, our six months, you know, seven years, three years, whatever. I said, but we just have today. I love know? it. That's so true. You, you know te- what I'm saying? We just have today.
0: For sure. You technically have a four years... You technically have uh, four years and a week longer than me. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. I'm, uh, I'm May 31st. <laughs>
1: oh, awesome. All right, yeah.
0: nice. Um, so this is normally, and I'm going to put you on the spot here, forgive yeah. me. This is normally where I would close out the episode and we would do our normal, typical closing. But here's sure. what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to ask you if you want to be a Staying Fit ODAT podcast first. And I would like to bring you back next week like uh like our time next week as as close to after after the uh run attempt you know finish i don't know what we want to call this event or sure. fundraiser i would like to bring you back um as close to finishing after you that as as you're comfortable doing okay. um maybe get you maybe i can get you in here for like another 30 minutes or so whatever okay. however long it takes and just talk about um, your experience actually doing it, Like I, w- I would like to try and get you as close to when you're done as you're comfortable doing. You know, while those emotions, while those feelings, you know, both physically and mentally, are all still in your body, everything is fresh, and we can really talk about what you experienced yeah. um, right after it's done.
1: Yeah, so, absolutely.
0: How does that sound? You up yeah, for that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Cool. So I'm going to reach out to you. I'm going to get you, I'm going to give you my personal cell phone number as soon as we hang up here. Okay. Um, and and we're going to get this set up and I'm going to be here for you this weekend as well. Awesome. You know, both uh, you. spiritually and, and mentally, yeah. anything I can do to help you prepare. Um, I'll be starting my half marathon. You're, let me see, you're an hour behind me. So it'll be 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. when it's my 9 a.m. So I'll actually be starting my half marathon this weekend uh one year finishing because i start 9 a.m my time and you're finishing at 9 a.m your time mm-hmm. so we'll be running there will be awesome. a point where your last hour will technically be running together
1: fantastic so, have to keep that in mind
0: yeah so we're gonna we're gonna set this up as soon as we hang up here but for that reason i'm not gonna do a closing here um when people are listening to this episode it's gonna mm-hmm. go straight from what we're saying now right into your post your post race experience
1: I like it. Now I got, makes me, you know, more accountable this weekend too. Cause I'm, I'm going to have to talk to you about it. So I can't have a bad story. So For we got to sure.
0: go, go big or go home. <laughs> so, so with that note, there's not really a closing. Um, we're just going to literally just, you know, that's it. And we're going to, we're going to pick up because when the listeners Man. are hearing this, it's just going to go straight into the next part. Fantastic. All right, here we go. Welcome back for our listeners on this episode. I am doing this as a single part, so you really didn't even hear a break or anything, but just for total uh, clarity and transparency, uh, this is the second half. This is the second part. We are now on Tuesday morning, uh, September 14th, and we're back here with Rod. This is uh, a post-race, post-meetup with uh, recovery uh, Mike from the Recovery Army, so we're here to talk about all the fun stuff, everything that we talked about in the first part of this interview and find out how everything went. Uh, I know a few of the answers to a few of the questions that I'm going to have you answering for our listeners and then some of it is going to be brand new for me as well just figuring out um you know what was going on with you. So let's go ahead and just jump right into it. Thanks again for being with us today, Rod. How you doing this morning? Yeah, thanks for having me,
1: Miguel. I'm doing good. Just a little just a little recovery on day 2 after the
0: 24 hour run that's pretty good i can only imagine i can only imagine um first uh so we are going to talk recovery but first uh the the only question that i want to ask you right away because you brought it up in your recovery uh when you when you run as many miles as you did and we're not going to say numbers yet but when you run as many miles as you did uh is it like doing a a, a typical leg day at the gym are you feeling worse today than you did yesterday on day two Um,
1: I feel a little bit worse today, but overall, not bad calves and shins are on fire. I can only imagine. I, I, I really overall, I'm pretty, pretty pleased with the way I feel.
0: So, well, you look great, man. You look, you look great. Um, all right. So before we start talking about any more on the race, I want to, uh, I want to talk some recovery stuff here as well. Um, so Mike flies out from philadelphia you know shout out pennsylvania east coast right um which i'm also following recovery mike with the recovery army now as well on tiktok and that man is awesome what is what does he always say at the end of his videos be fucking great or great yeah i i love it i love it i'm i'm a very explicit guy we get to the point we curse a lot you know that's that's the northeast in us as well so i i, I love the way he ends out like that um so was this your first time meeting him in person
1: In person, yeah. We hooked up about, I'm going to say, not quite a year ago through TikTok. And uh, you know, you can tell just when you see somebody talking on video or somebody on like a TikTok live, you can tell if they're like a a genuine person or if they're all just for clout and likes and follows and just for their own own agenda. But he's very, very passionate about about what he does and his recovery. Um, Like I said, he's I've been sober and clean a little over seven years, and I think I got about three weeks on him. He's been he's got a little over seven years, so uh, we like the same guys, follow the same inspiration, motivational speakers, you know, like David Goggins and so on. So we really just hit it off from the from the start. Uh, But him and uh, his wife, they founded the Recovery Army Outreach Group, which is in Philadelphia. Uh, They take donations for toiletries, um, let's see, food, water, blankets just need supplies. And they go back down to Kensington street in Philadelphia, where all the homeless and, and what ha- and yes. what have
0: you. Yeah, actually I'm very familiar yeah. with that area. And for our listeners yeah. real quick, I hate to cut you off, but no. because I'm so close to that area, that's, that's only an hour away from me. So for our listeners that don't know the Philadelphia area um, or Philly at all, Kensington is pretty much about, about as bad as it gets. That's where, that's where you go to buy all the drugs. That's where, you know, um, you, you really have to be careful and what, if you're not from the area, you know, and it's, it's just like, that is the spot when you see pictures of Philadelphia and, uh, the unfortunate homeless and broken beer bottles and drugs, like that's, that's pretty much, that's that part of Philly, that's the Kensington area. So when he's going down there doing his service work for them, um, you know, that's, that's a part of the area that could really use it I don't want to say anyone deserves it more than anyone else, but that's a place that could really use that kind of help and attention for, for something as serious as drug abuse and substance abuse and the, and the people that we are trying to reach here when we talk about these topics.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And he actually, uh, he actually lived down there homeless for about five to six years. So, you know, now that he's over seven years into his recovery, he's able to go back down there and give back, you know, they. Take resources down there. A couple of weeks ago, they hooked up with a barber there in the Philadelphia area. They went down, gave free haircuts, uh, hand out toiletries and stuff like that. But uh, him and his wife, or I should say fiance, Jen, they flew out here from Philadelphia all the way to Dodge City, Kansas, going from I don't know, probably 1.5 million population, give or take, in Philly down to 30,000 uh, population here in Dodge <laughs> City. No skyscrapers. Uh, when they showed up, I met them at the airport here in Dodge. And, they got out of the car, and before we said hey, gave each other hugs or anything, he's like, man, we just drove 140 miles on the same road. I'm like, yes, you did. And you can keep driving another 140 miles the same direction on the same road. He's like, <laughs> all there is, all there is is telephone poles, cattle, and a random tree every once in a while. So it was, it was good because they got to experience you know, in the middle of the United States, you know, being in Kansas. So we're in the southwest part of the state. So it was great. Uh, they got here Thursday, we kind of hung out. Um, and then Friday, I'd set up a good little, we called it a mini speaking tour. We went out to the treatment center here in Dodge City for three hours. Uh, we're able to hang out with the inpatient and then also had some of their outpatient clients uh, come in to the center. It's called New Chance Inc. I actually was fortunate enough to work out there for about three and a half years to have great relationships with the with the executive director, so we both shared our stories, and we did a, little, did a little like a Q&A, and then the executive director even came into the to the room where we had the inpatient, outpatient guys, and we kind of did a, a, I guess, a free-for-all, the three of us standing up front, we got to share our stories, and just, just talk recovery in Kansas, recovery, how it's like in Philadelphia, lack of resources, and what have you, but we were there all, uh, all morning from like 9 to 12, uh, then we went, and got the girls, had lunch. Then we went down to a high school, my my actual graduating high school, which is about 30 miles away, and had all the middle school and high school kids come to the gymnasium, and we both spoke there. Um, I spoke more about the run that I was doing the following day, and then Mike was able to tell tell a little bit about his story too.
0: Now I wanna I wanna cut you off here again for a second because I have a question about that. So you're when you're at the middle school and the high school, um, I don't know. I don't know anything about Dodge City, Kansas, the area you're from. Um, Is that a place where uh, drinking and drugging is, is it a really big problem down there? Are they starting at a very, very young age? Like, is that, is that an age group where you really, really need to catch early at this time? Is that, is that normal for these, for these kids down there?
1: Yeah, it's, it's the town. The community is called Buckland. It's a super small farming community. There's probably about 140, 150 total kids in the gym, which is great. I mean, you only need to reach one, of course. But of course, when I, yeah, when I grew up in that town and I graduated in 94, I'm 45 years old. That's all we did. That's all I did. We just cruised up and down Main Street, drank alcohol. That's just what we thought we did. Um, I don't know how prevalent it is now amongst the kids. I'm sure that goes on being it's you know, the high school age and stuff, but we, we wanted to go down to Buckland, just like you said, to reach, try to reach somebody at an early, early age. So if they are already taking a a left off that straight path, they can hopefully hear some stories and, you know, some experience, open strength from us and maybe change their ways now versus later in life or, or if it's, you know, when it's too late, but it was great. Um, I liked watching Mike share his story. I didn't even listen to him talk or watch him. I was just panning through the through the kids up in the in the stands. Just you know how how teenagers are, you know, do we have their attention? Do we not? And I mean, they were all just deadpan, listened. I mean, it was it was a good solid hour of testimony from Mike and I. And then them just you could tell they were just like absorbing it all in. So they really and I know a lot of those kids. I went to school with a lot of their parents, you know, had some of the same teachers when I was when I was going to school way back when. so um, they got a lot from uh, Recovery Mike, of course, uh, a lot of them took pictures and stuff with him afterwards. And it, was, it was just a really good time. And then uh, that evening, then the Narcotics Anonymous group here in Dodge City held a special uh, uh, speaker night. Usually they do them about every other month on a Saturday. Well, they did it on a, this past Friday and then uh, had about three hours there. We went from six to seven. We just kind of fellowshiped uh, with everybody there. And then uh, seven to nine, both of us shared our stories and, and you know, just talk, was able to talk to everybody. And there's, there's about 50 people at that speaker jam too. So, wow. I mean, we talked 140, 50, 200. But we probably... We're in front of about 220, 230 people on that Friday. And it was just, it was great all in a small, you know, in a small community, like I said, Dodge is only 30,000 people.
0: You're giving me chills right now, man. I yeah. absolutely love it. This it's is, and, and you know, back to back to the kids again too. And, and I, I, you know, I don't want to like beat a dead drum here, but like the, it, it's so important with the kids too. And like you said, if you even reached one of them um, mm-hmm. if 149 of them weren't listening, but that one, who might be sneaking his parents' beers or, you know, trying drugs at an early age. If that kid got to thinking about something, then that's awesome. Or, you know, looking at the other side of the spectrum too, if there's if there's a kid out there who intends to never pick up a drink or a drug in his entire life because he sees uh mom or dad and the way they abuse the the drinking or the drugging, hopefully yours and Mike's story at least gave that kid hope that. You know, maybe mom or dad can get it together as well um, one day, and they can be there for me before I graduate high school or before I get out of college, and they can be there for their grandkids one day. And so, hopefully, it either gave them hope for themselves or for a family member or an older brother or sister for somebody. But I'm I'm sure you reached um, more than one of them, and probably in different ways. And to be at the NA meeting, then you know, with the people that are already in recovery or you know if there's a couple people who haven't put it down yet and they were just there because they needed to hear something hopefully you reach that person as well whatever the case may be um it's just so awesome and following you guys on on TikTok and again this just gives me chills to to talk about this and think about it because like you said you hit the nail on the head about Mike he's so authentic um yeah. you know TikTok is Uh, Full disclosure, it's one of those things I stayed away for so long because I figured, you know, what what good can there be on TikTok? It's probably all bullshit. It's probably all people just doing the latest dancing trend and, you know, people dancing half naked or just putting funny videos and whatnot. And I was like, there's probably no real life value on there. And then I heard about uh, some a friend of mine who was on there um, doing Doing good videos, doing good stuff, and I was like, "Shit, there's no way you can be the only person doing good stuff on here." You know, I'll I'll I'll, I'll tap the glass a little bit here, and I'll go check it out. And so I joined, and and the few people that I've had a, a chance to connect with, I think you are now my third or fourth interview on someone that I've met just from TikTok. And you know, I'm I've been able to follow Mike, and like you said too, there's there's quite a few just really really genuine, down to earth people. You know that they're doing it for the right reasons. And I'm so blessed to see some of you guys because you can tell how much you actually care about this. I mean, you don't do what you did this weekend if you don't care. You don't do that shit for follows and for likes because you can just you can go to a race where they're going to give you a a buckle and a shirt and they're going to have proper aid stations set up and you can get really cool pictures and videos and you know, you can have a crew and pacers and you can have all this stuff, but no, you're running around in a single two mile loop right in town. People are flying halfway across the country to come see this happen. And this is, this is what it all comes down to. You don't do this shit because you don't care. You're doing this for the right reasons. So with that, we're just going to transition right into it. Let's talk about the, uh, let, let's talk about the run, the race, uh, right. the 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 event, whatever we're going to call this. Let's talk about it. You know, Saturday, 9 a.m. on 9 you know, right. rest in peace for all the people that we lost 20 years ago. Uh, but you're lining up right at 9 a.m. The weather sucks. That's 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 right. about what I know to this point. Gotcha. So go ahead and, and and pick us up right from there. Yeah.
1: So about 10 days ago, I started looking at, like, the extended forecast, right? And it was showing um, on Saturday highs of about 85. I'm like, hey, that's not bad because we had record highs last year when I did it the last week in September of 100. So I'm like, all right, cool. Well, i check it a couple, two or three days later, and then we went from 85 up to 89. I'm like, okay. And then a few days later, we're up to 94. I'm like, you got to be shitting me. It's exactly what happened last year, you know? So anyways, on Saturday, we ended up having record highs, of about 106 degrees. Wow. And the, wind, wow. the blowing 30 mile per hour plus out of the south. So every time I'd come around, I had about a half a mile straight into 30 plus mile an hour winds. And it was out of the southwest. So basically half of it, I was dead into the wind. Um, so started at 9 a.m. here in Dodge City. Um, local elementary schools just across the street from us. They let us kind of set up in their parking lot because I had the Ford County Suicide Prevention Coalition and then Recovery Army Outreach with Mike and Jen here. A buddy of mine donated us his fancy motor home kind of as like a headquarter or a, or a base center, whatever you want to call it. So I get over there and then our Suicide Coalition Board here in Fort County invited people out to run just a 5K for free, no medals, no shirts, just get more people out there to raise awareness. Uh CrossFit gym here in town I've had about 12 of their um, athletes, clients there. They ran a 5K, ran a little bit. so And then the community college, the Dodge City Community College, their cross country and their track and field team all were there. So there's about 50 plus people there to start with myself. Um, all the cross country, all the college uh, athletes, runners, they ran the first mile with me, which would have been halfway around this, the, the route. And then they went off and did their own. Uh, did their own workouts for the day but we had the uh, Ford County fire chief he was there so he led us the halfway down um, to start with the red and blue lights flashing and going. Uh, we had a uh, my, my nephew is on the life watch team at the hospital he flies so uh, the pilot they went up in the helicopter did a little flyover over um, in the morning but like I said it was nice and cool in the morning. And I had a goal. Now I want
0: a- I want to ask you this quick, and I apologize. Yeah. I'm probably going to cut you off a bunch as we go through yeah. this 24 hours to kind of to 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 kind of paint pictures. So, speaking of pictures, uh, is there anywhere that myself or any of our listeners can see? Is there any video footage of that start? You know, you taking off on the line with 50 other awesome <laughs> people all out for a good cause.
1: I've got some. I've got a couple of videos just on my on my TikTok page. Of right after the star that shows all the college people right behind me it kind of looks like a forest gump (laughs) Gump. (laughs) everybody behind and i was just taking pictures of video over my head i've got a lot more coming from other people um you know like my wife uh my mom she was in town a few times she took a bunch of pictures uh mike and jen have taken pictures i just i you know we've all been busy i just haven't got them all to me yet but it was it was good. So, like I said, it's run for my life on TikTok. You can always uh always see him there. And then uh recovery Mike has got a video or two um that he's put up as well. So you can check those out there. But uh it sounds
0: like Mike Mike's not about that run life. He wasn't out there with you.
1: He was not gonna go run. <laughs> he's was, like, that's where
0: I draw the line. I'm not that running.
1: Was, that was a hundred percent real talk. First thing out, no, I'm not running, dude. I'll come support you, but I'm not running.
0: I'm like, that's <laughs> all." Right. Cool. we'll go speak. <laughs>
1: and you know I kept telling them said just think of it as a as a vacation you know because they you know everybody gets busy in life and they were able to come out to uh they were able to come out to Kansas and kind of on you know kind of detached for from their jobs and stuff too but my goal was to get four marathons so I needed each marathon in six hours or less uh I did the first half marathon and I had about 35 minutes in the bank so at the time I'm like e. Not for sure if this is good or if it's bad. Well, I think it probably should have ran a little bit slower because I, I kind of extended myself that first half um, and then paid for it later in the afternoon when it was like 106 degrees. I feel like
0: adrenaline and all the emotion <laughs> of everything going on will definitely do that to you.
1: Yeah, and then like yesterday, I uh, had, had issues with my Garmin watch, so I couldn't see because, you know, on my watch, it'll split every mile all the way through and show my pace and stuff. And I finally got it fixed yesterday late afternoon so i started looking at my mileage and the first five miles i ran all in like that 10 minute time frame like 10 30 1030, 10 40 10 35 i'm like well that's no wonder i got my first half marathon done way ahead of, you know about two and a half hours versus the three hour kind of goal per out se. there setting
0: half marathon prs on 100 mile yeah. attempt you don't know. <laughs> yeah
1: and but but then you know it started to warm up, but there's a lot of people there's actually people with me the whole 24 hours, whether they were jogging, driving beside me, walking, riding their bike. Uh, last year I was beside myself out there for about five or six hours from midnight till about 5 a.m. There's somebody with me the whole time, which was come to find out probably better just for the safety aspect of it, which I'll get into here after a bit. Uh, but like I said, yeah, we. Started at nine. It was nice and cool. It's like 62 degrees. So it went, the temperature spiked by about 50 degrees throughout the day by mid-afternoon. Not well, even mid-afternoon. I think my wife told me it was over 100 by like noon. Wow. So wind blowing out of the south. Uh, about three o'clock, I uh, broke it down in thirds then. So I'm like, well, I just need, you know, if I can get 30 miles, that would equal, you know, every eight hours, that's going to equal what I did last year. So I had a 30 miles just a little bit before three o'clock. So I was just, you know, I'm in or at eight hours, I should say, had my 30 miles just under eight hours, like at seven hours and 45 minutes. But it was like three o'clock in the afternoon then or or later, maybe five o'clock, I guess. Um, I sat for a little bit. I changed some socks. Um, Apparently, I was pretty uh, pale, wasn't wasn't moving very fast. Um, This is all just from talk from my wife and, and people that were around me so I did take a break. was able to eat a little bit more. Um, you know, I've got Crohn's disease too. I think I shared that earlier in this, yes. in this episode, but that was another thing. And even in that first, uh, half, my house is only just about six, five, the fifth house off of one of the streets. So I could always dip dip into my house real quick. Well, in the first, uh, half marathon that first 13.1 miles, uh, I had to go to my, go to my house twice. I'm like, shit, here I am sitting on the pot. I'm like, I'm wasting time. I wasn't expecting, you know, to have two bathroom breaks already, um, but we just kept plugging forward, uh, like I said, somebody was either in the car or walking with me, it got super hot, I mean, it's just like a furnace, the furnace was just blowing, you know, just hot air with all that wind, uh, just couldn't kind of regroup myself, uh, got pretty dehydrated in the afternoon, um, used the restroom a couple times, and you can always knock not to have too much information, but you can always tell how dehydrated you are just by, by what your pee looks like, you know? So first time I was like, then I come out of the house and my my wife was waiting in the garage. She's like, how was it? Like, well, looks like I'm behind on water, but I was drinking at least 20, probably 40 ounces a lap. You know, I'm thinking I'm drinking between water, Powerade, electrolytes, uh, salt, uh, salt mix packs, you know, I thought I was doing good, but shoot, it was. I got pretty dehydrated, um, so uh, the guys from the the treatment center actually bust out, and uh, this is kind of funny, uh, because I, they came out about 5 30, and I was not in a good place, and I saw them pull up, and I, I hate to say it, but I told my wife, I'm like, damn it, I don't want to talk to these guys right now, I don't want to talk to anybody, right, I just needed a few minutes to together my bearings and no, of those, probably about a dozen of the clients from the treatment center came over by the motorhome where I was sitting. I'm like, Hey guys, just, just give me a minute and I'll, I'll come over and talk to you. I was kind of regrouping. Well, a few minutes later, I went back behind the motor home where I thought they were parked there in the parking lot and they were gone. And I'm like, shit, maybe I pissed them off. Well, I called the executive director, which is a friend of mine at the treatment center yesterday, just to touch base. And I'm like, Hey, tell your guys, I apologize. I really didn't get to talk to them. He's like, yeah, I talked to my staff. I took them out there. They said it was too hot. I'm like, excuse me? I said, they weren't even there for five minutes. He's like, I'm aware. I said, well, you make sure you give them a hard time. I was out there for 24 hours. They get out of their van for like five freaking Man, minutes. They I'm can't playing.
0: stand there for 10 minutes, yet you're oh. running for 24 hours.
1: I'm like, bro, come on, toughen up. Then he goes, don't worry. I have a meeting with all the clients here like in 45 minutes. I'll remind them. I said, fair enough. And- he says, when you, I go out there on Monday evenings and talk to him, too. He goes, next Monday when you come out, you have my permission to, you know, to, to give him shit, too. So I kind of felt better. I thought maybe I'd upset him or something so I just didn't want to talk to him at the time. But, no, nope, they just didn't like the heat. So kept plugging through uh, through the night. Some more people came out. Um, it was kind of to the point late Saturday night where I was jogging for a while, um, where you kind of um, worked the system, I guess. I was jog walking around uh two of the streets of of the square route where I kind of had the wind to my back or was out of the wind. And then I would kind of jog slash walk into the wind if that makes sense. Because the wind, I think the heat, yeah, took it out of me. But that the strong gusty uh 30 plus mile an hour wind, that's I think that's what really um really took it out of me. So you know you're having to work harder just to Yeah a hundred percent. Oh yeah. So uh about I don't know twelve one o'clock or so, uh, a buddy of mine comes up, and he came out last year, and at this point, I'm kind of probably walking a little bit more per lap than I wanted to, Uh, but I was kind of got a little staggering going on, Um, I was starting to see things that weren't there, Uh, like for instance, he was right beside me, and there's grass where we were by this, by the street where we were running, and I'm like, Jed, it looks like you're running on a bed, he's like, what? I'm like I'm looking at you. You're on a bed, like running. He's like, "What the hell are you talking about?" I said, "Well, I know you're not, but I'm just seeing shit, right?" And so I started seeing little little things here and there. Um, every once in a while, he'd be like, "Rock," I'm like, "Yeah." Open your eyes. I'm like, "They are." He's like, "No, they weren't. You were you're walking, jogging with your eyes closed." I'm like, "No." Nah. He's like, "Yeah." So that went on for a good portion of the night. I can also tell
0: you if this makes you feel any better. I don't know how many ultra runners you follow. Mm-hmm. This, these these are not. This part of of that journey is not rare and is not right. Um, and I don't want to yeah. take anything away from what you went through, but that is like, you know, I don't. I want you to know that, like, I don't. I don't know how many other like long mileage runners you follow or what what you've read before going into it, yeah. but. It's not like something was wrong with you at that point. Like right. I've, I've had some of the podcasts I listen to, man, some of the stories that people mm-hmm. tell about their hallucinations and thank God for you too, that like you're out on a road and you were with someone too. Cause I've heard people telling those same stories, how they're like, shit, they ran down this hill on a trail and they don't even remember being awake for it. And it's like, that's terrifying. Right. Cause you miss one thing, you kick a rock and you're rolling yep. down a hill. So there. luckily you had somebody with you because God forbid you're you know you you are dozing off and you kick your own foot or you slip or something you know you're going face first on concrete and you yeah. don't you don't have a hair buffer either too so if you yeah. go if you go down you're splitting your sure. wig brother
1: yeah because <laughs> you know, follow a ton of people uh that do the, like all the ultra marathons through like the whether it's like bad water the bad water 135 western states hard raft 100 so you know that's you know that's expected and that's you know, that's where I want to put myself too. I want to put myself in that position to see how mentally, uh, emotionally, physically tough. I am if I can keep moving. Um, yeah, some of those guys when they're up in the, in California, doing the Western States 100 they're up and over mountains on trails by themselves, seeing jump, jumping men, rainbows, unicorns, and stuff like that. It's, it's you get out there ways, but, uh, um, and then we had a friend of ours, uh, she came out with her son. It was like 2 a.m. or something like that. And uh, she's like, hey, can I walk with you for a lap? I'm like, yeah, sure. Well, same deal. She ended up staying out there for eight miles, walking and jogging. She'd have to wake me up every once in a while. My wife was like so happy that she was there because she, my wife didn't want to have to come out and walk with me to kind of make sure I was still moving and stuff. So it worked out great. She got like, Rod, you're on the grass. Like, OK, Rod open your eyes. I'm like, they are. No, they aren't. Rod, you okay? Cause I was kind of, the legs were starting to cramp a little bit. So I had to hit the pickle juice and stuff. Uh, and then we made it through the night. Uh, the wind blew. I was hoping the wind would die down at night. You know, that's what, it, excuse me. That's what it typically does here in Kansas, but it, it blew the, the whole night. Uh, different. A couple other people, one of the guys from the CrossFit gym here in town, he needed to get in 12 miles on a Sunday so he's training for a, the Oklahoma City marathon here in a couple of weeks in October. Uh he told me early in the morning he was gonna come back out like around two, two thirty in the morning. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure you are. Now everybody can talk of you know, everybody can say they're gonna do stuff, but are you really gonna show up? And sure shit, he's there at 2:30 in the morning. I was sitting on the grass by the camper, eating some lay's potato chips, drinking a coke, uh sugar candy, pixie sticks, my my daughter she was like nothing she wouldn't let me rest either I was like girl I just wanted to curl up on that grass by this tree that was, was your daughter sorry
0: you, you cut out a little bit after pixie sticks you said this is your daughter you're talking about now yeah.
1: my daughter she was like forcing me you know to keep moving which is and great remind us
0: how old she is is this the, like, is this the military girl
1: no our oh, son wait, no, that's the- your son sorry Kelsey our daughter she's still here in the house taking classes and she works for the Air- United Airlines a little small okay. airport we actually, oh, yeah, United. So she's
0: the one that got you all the miles.
1: Yes, yeah, <laughs> but uh, she was like, Come on, dad, you got to get up. I'm like, No, just give me a minute. She's like, No, get up. And she was, you know, I got a little tough love from her a couple times and I needed it too, you know, because I couldn't love it, I couldn't without her. Yeah, she was, she was, she was great. Some of the things she said came out of her mouth. I was like, Wow, it's pretty, you know, it was pretty sweet. And like I said, I, I wouldn't have made it without her, but uh, we made it through that time. Um, And at that point, I'm not saying I gave up like on a mileage quota, but I kind of come to to come to reality that, okay, let's just stay out here for 24 hours. Let's just make a goal. Let's not quit. Let's just keep moving forward um, for 24 hours. Cause I knew I wasn't going to get the, my original aggressive goal of four uh, full marathons just because of the, the weather and the wind and, and stuff like that. So as I was, as the sun was starting to come up, maybe 630, uh maybe 6 6 30 i started to look at my watch and i'm like you know, my, my brain's mushed by now so i'm trying to do the math like well how many three marathons i'm like well that'd be 78.6 so let's shoot for three marathons you know um or 80 miles so a couple of uh, guys a man and wife came from came back up on sunday morning they'd been out saturday night with me paced me for a few laps four or five six miles and then they, uh, Cliff and Shelby came back out with me on Sunday morning. And I happened to be by the, coming around to the motorhome. I was going to, i got a belt with just like a 20 ounce water bottle that I was using. Um, getting a refill. And, and Cliff, my buddy's like, where are you at? And I said, well, let's say, I don't know. It was pushing seven, thirty, seven o'clock. I can't remember. I'm like, well, I'm at such and such miles. He's like, well, what are you shooting for besides 24 hours? I'm like, I don't know. Let's see if we can get three full marathons in. Um, I said I had 90 miles, I did 90.5 last year. Um, not probably gonna reach it, but let's let's go for the three full marathon. So um him and his wife, we left and probably from like I say, that 6.30 to, to nine o'clock time frame, that two and a half hours give or take. Um, we stopped running just once. I mean, we were running the last two and a half hours, wow. take, and I stopped once for like 25 seconds. Um, that was on a little downhill slope we had. And I told him, I said, when you say you
0: stopped running, you mean like you didn't take a break or you literally didn't even walk with no walking,
1: no breaks, no nothing. Holy
0: Shit. So on the last two and a half hours of a 24 hour run, you, you ran all but 25 seconds.
1: Yeah. And then I can't look at my phone, but I finally got my Garmin stuff here to update. Um, and it was my last couple hours were just as good as my first few hours i was in that 10 30 to 11 minute a mile time frame like i said we stopped for 25 seconds and i told him i said hold on i gotta stop i gotta walk just let me you know regroup and at that point stopping is the worst thing if you just keep running it's easier because once you stop you get all that you know your blood starts flowing different your lactic acid and then okay i'm like okay i gotta wind myself back up just to get going the stopping starting is what hurts the most at that point Um, so after I told him, I said, all right, 25 seconds on, here's my daughter, Kelsey, a dad, 25 seconds. I'm like, give me 25 more. (laughs) I'm like, I ain't got nothing left. You know, I'm just, I'm trying, I'm struggling. I'm trying to hold on, you know? And so she's like, yeah, you do. You got something left. I'm like, what? She's like your heart. And I was like, you know
0: what?
1: From, from my daughter. I'm like, and she's on her bike in front of me. You know, she's riding her bike in front of me at this point. Um, and then I got Cliff and Shelby, my friends pacing me too. And I'm like, that could kind of, you know, just with her saying that, you know, I'm like, wow, that came out of your mouth. That's awesome, you know? And so picked it back up. And then, uh, like I said, we, we've got, uh, we ended up getting 78.6 miles. So we've got the three full marathons and we had a little bit of time to kill, you know, time to spare, I should say, a few minutes or whatever, 15 minutes, something like that. Um, so I'm like, Cliff's like, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, let's keep going. I said, but as soon as I hit 80, i'm stopping whether there's time on the clock or not i'll walk home you know i'll walk back to where we started so we made a couple more laps and we ended up getting 80 points such and such miles with about a minute 50 to spare so we we're able to get 80 um which is about well which is 10 miles less than i achieved last year um when i was talking to the executive director about it yesterday I, i'm competitive you're competitive you know so i was i'm not gonna lie i was bumped i'm like, shit i didn't get 90 at least i didn't do as good as i did last year but the executive director's like it's not about the miles why why are you doing this from the get-go i'm like oh, i wanted to raise awareness he's like do you think you accomplished that i'm like oh yeah and then some and i'm like you know i kind of had to put it into perspective my wife was the same way. She's like who cares you got 80 miles you're in three marathon a little over three marathons in 24 hours not a lot of people have done that so on you know she goes it was all about awareness look you we hooked We hooked up with uh, Recovery Army Mike, um, with Jen, got people come all the way across the United States. You you went and spoke at three organizations. um, And somebody asked, how would you compare the two events from last year to this year? And the only thing I could come up with was this year, it was more personable. So like last year, we were on the news all the way across the state, which is great. Raised a lot of awareness. Um, My daughter, our daughter put us on the on the facebook page local facebook.city page there's like four or five thousands of likes comments hearts and all that stuff but you know i got to thinking actually the only reason people are commenting on that or liking is just because they happened to see it you know they didn't care like oh, okay cool like oh, okay cool heart oh good job you no know, but this year anybody that came out was somebody that truly like was a friend or that truly knew me had more meaning if that makes sense you know a lot of sense um,
0: makes a lot of sense it,
1: Like I said, we had a local nonprofit with the suicide Fort County suicide coalition. We had the other nonprofit recovery army outreach. We were able to raise over $2,000 for both of those nonprofits, which is huge. You know, now they can go use that money for, for, uh, what I want to call it for gear, for, you know, supplies, whatever, for handouts that they're at their uh, speaking engagements and and things that they do. So it was just really more personable. I, 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 like I said earlier, I'd start, I'm really pleased with the way I feel. My shins, calves are on fire. Um, like I said, I I saw the dude running on a bed. I also saw a little, it's hard to describe, but around that same area, I could look down and in the grass, it looked like I'm a giant, right? And I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking like little, there's little like cities below me in the grass. You know, I was telling my wife, my wife was looking at me yesterday like, what i'm like I'm just telling you i was seeing all kinds of stuff you know uh, drugs
0: ain't got shit on those natural right. natural yeah. life hallucinations
1: i had real life hallucinations i never had anything like that when i was all fucked up <laughs> you know <laughs> but uh all in all like i said shins calves um hurt um, we're in the process right now of we sold our house or moving into Uh, another place just short term so we've got some other goals that we're going to achieve in the next year so yesterday I woke up I was like I'm sore but I was you know I was moving stuff into my car going to the rental house you know moving stuff Uh, my dad's coming up today later we're going to move some more stuff so I feel I'm really pleased uh, but I think that one of the biggest things too was that community college they came out on Saturday morning and this is just how another way we can make connections, too. I know the coach. That's why I invited him. Um, so the assistant coach came out with all their athletes, like I said, cross-country and track and field. Then I'm going to say probably 10 to a dozen of them came back out Saturday night. And when I came around, came around on that loop, I'm like, what the hell are you guys doing here? It's Saturday night. You're in college. Why are you out here watching this 45-year-old run around? I mean – like in their parties for you guys to go to, you know, it's college. They're like, no, we just want to come out here and support you. I'm like, well, yeah, you know, I thanked them. They took a couple pictures and stuff like that, which is cool. Um, and then Sunday morning, there was another probably dozen of them. They came back for like the last hour and a half. They were sitting there in the back of their truck, watching me come ride around for about from seven 30 until nine. So it was just support. And I talked to their coach uh, yesterday in the afternoon and I'm like, they didn't, you didn't have to have them come up. He's like, I didn't make them come up except for nine o'clock on Saturday. The other times those student athletes came up, it's because they wanted to and it was on their own own free will. So I thought that was a really cool, you know, that the support from some young students, you know, 18 to 20 year olds. Uh, that meant a lot too. And then having my wife and daughter at the finish line, my parents were there, um, Mike and Jen, recovery army, Mike and Jen. Uh, it was it was good, you know, I got done and I totally sat on the curb and just laid back. There's a picture of my arms above me, my eyes are closed. And somebody said, well, how do you feel? And, you know, of course my language isn't always the best. I'm like, I feel like shit, you
0: know,
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> wife and daughter, they all had the, everything cleaned up for the most part. So we went home, uh, ate some pancakes and some sausage and some eggs. And then, pretty much sacked out, crashed out till about one, two o'clock in the afternoon. And then, uh, like I said, recovery army, Mike and his wife are still in town. Um, and they left yesterday. So it was just good. And, and he, being from Philadelphia, you know, he got to see a different part of the country, a different part of the country too. They enjoyed it. Um, you know, just the, I guess the hustle and the hustle. And, oh, shoot. Oh, my bad. i oh, um, sorry. Sorry about that. Um, but, you know, just with all the hustling going on in the big city life, they're able to come down here and just, you know, they enjoyed the pool at the hotel, just relax. And it was just something different too. And um, he was able to make some, some connections with, with a, a couple preacher friends of mine. One of them came and prayed for us before we started. Uh, they went to church with them on Sunday here in town. So it was, we all just made more connections. The track coach is going to invite me to come talk to his whole um, his whole team here before too long kind of uh, the the why I do what I do um, and then give them because they'd be interested being there on track scholarship I'll give them a detailed uh, recap of the 24 hours and how it went and that's just another way to you know spread awareness too you know a lot of people are like why do you do that like why do you want to hallucinate why do you want to see things why do you want to walk and try to sleep run and close your eyes all at the same time it's just it's not a why it's like i get to do that you know i'm fortunate enough i get to do that where like i shared with you earlier in this up you know earlier in this podcast that there's the sick and suffering that are got a needle in their arm at three o'clock in the morning they don't know if they're going to make it to the morning you got the alcoholic going through withdrawals going through dt's the homeless you got somebody contemplating suicide you know it's all that stuff, like, but what are they going to do? How, how are they going to find resources? And when I get done killing my body, hallucinating, I get to go home, I get to eat, I get a shower, I get to sleep. You know, I know exactly after, it's only 24 hours. You know, if I think about it that way, it's it's not that big big of a thing, if that makes sense. So
0: It makes a lot of that,
1: sense.
0: I also want to point out that you... You said something earlier too it's like when you were at that point where it's like you know you're not going to you know you're not going to get to this part but you know it's it's not giving up but uh as far as on the mileage I, I think what's also important to point out is you definitely didn't give up you know maybe you didn't hit your your specific goal but there's a difference between giving up and and readjusting to reality giving up would sure. have been saying shit I'm not going to get 104.8 miles So we're done. Let's reel it up. Let's go home and call it a day. Readjusting to reality and realisticness is saying, shit, we're not going to get 104 miles, but where can we backtrack this? Where can we still go inside of the 24 hours? What can we do? What is still realistic and what is still doable here? So that a absolutely amazing. I commend the shit out of you for that. Um, next, I also wanted to ask you, uh, you know, the 24 hours of suffering, beating the shit out of your body, nasty ass, heat, hallucinations. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to speak for you, but is it safe to say that that didn't have shit on the 24 hours that you spent in the bathroom, shitting yourself, throwing up, going through withdrawal? Like which, which, which beating of the body would you take again right now if they said you had to do one or the other?
1: I'll go right back across the street and start running again. Cause I, I don't it. want to, go, I don't want to go back to that detox bathroom. I don't uh, want to go back to detox.
0: no next question. Uh, can you think of one time where you were drunk or high that was as much fun or impacted other people's lives positively than you did on Saturday, putting yourself through pain and suffering?
1: There's nothing positive about going out and getting all drunked up and drugged up where, or- you know, all I'm going to do is lose the close ones I have around me where going out and raising awareness on this run for 20, we're going out and uh, raising awareness for 24 hours that brought people close, you know, and then you're talking about, yeah, I figured out, came to reality, I wasn't going to get 104.8 miles. And I'm like, screw it. I'm, I'm like, I said, at 2:30 in the morning, I'm sitting in the grass propped up against a tree and I'm I mean, I kind of dozed off for a few seconds and <laughs> my daughter took a picture. I mean, I look I look like death warmed over, you know what I mean? And I kind of wanted to give, I didn't, kind of, I was, I'm was. i like done. And Kelsey's like, no, let's go, get up, eat some chips, let's go. You got to get moving. And I'm thinking also, I said, I know, because I know there are certain people that were going to come back out in the morning. So what was, you know, that was more holding myself accountable because I know Cliff Shelby, my daughter's going to be on her bike, my parents, some of the college kids, you know. They're gonna. Are they gonna come up at 730, 8 o'clock in the morning for the last hour, hour and a half, and Rod not be there? Like, where's Rod? Oh, he quit at two thirty in the morning. You know, I couldn't do that either. You know, so knowing there's gonna be people there at when I finish meant a lot to me too to help. You know, some some of that motivating factor behind it to keep to keep pushing on. So
0: I love it. I love it. I absolutely love that so much. Um, so it's it's safe to say that you know, your, your worst 24 hours of beating up your body and going through hell in these miserable, you know, temperatures and conditions and whatnot, it was that, that worst 24 hours was way better than huh. your best day drinking. Is it kind of like they say in the, in the, the stereotype, but you know, your worst 24 hours sober is better than your best 20, your, your best getting higher drinking.
1: Absolutely. You know, I'm sitting here thinking it was, it was a freaking blast, you know, I love it. I- at the, you know, at 2.30 in the morning, that's not what I was thinking, but we were able to overcome, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, spirit. I mean, you name it, we were able to overcome it and keep moving forward, and now, and two impacting
0: days, so many people, yeah. so, so many people.
1: Two days later, I'm sitting here, I'm like, maybe I need to go for a run today, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm like, let's go. Although that yeah. might,
0: that might not be a terrible idea. Cause it might shake a little bit out, get some foam yeah. rolling, get the gun on. So my, my next question, and this is unless something else pops in my head, this might be my last question about the race. Right. And, and I have a follow-up question pending on your answer. Um, gotcha. Is there going to be a 2022 attempt? See, <laughs> we have
1: some goals family wise that we're shooting for. Um, and if it all comes We've made commitments already and like I said, we sold our house going to rent something. We're wanting to move out of state Um, and we're wanting to move. I mean, I'll say, I don't know if it's public knowledge, but I'm getting ready to make it be. We want to end up in Florida um, after the school year. So, you know, I ran six miles on the week of the fourth of July. We we're at Florida, West Palm Beach, where my brother lives. I thought I was gonna die and I only did six miles because Yeah, humidity. you might
0: have to adjust but, you might have to adjust but, when you do it if you're doing it in that, Florida.
1: That's why I do it in September because it's quote recovery month. You yeah. Know? I, but say we're I mean say we end up in Florida a year from now. Um, it's going to be hot and muggy. I might just have to do it in like January or something like that. When Or, it's-
0: or maybe you can come up, maybe you can come up to Pennsylvania or yeah. something where it's not too, too bad in September. And you already know recovery. Mike got your back. Yeah. I got yeah. your back. Um, yeah. you know, I know a lot of runners out here and yeah. you get a, you would get a fuck ton of Pacers. I mean, I would, I would take care I will personally put it out there that if you ever even thought about coming to Pennsylvania, um, I would make sure that you had all of the pacers you need. I would make sure that we have aid stations covered. I mean, I would do everything possible to make sure that all you had to do was get here and run and, and focus on that. So if that even becomes a thought process.
1: I just wrote PA on the sticky note right here for next year. That's a great idea too. So, and then uh, Kelsey asked me yesterday, when we were moving some stuff back and forth from the houses, she's like, we could always just fly back to Kansas and do it. And I'm like I'm like, yeah, that's doable too, I guess. So who knows? Yeah, yeah, I, I would so, love to do it. I, I, you know, I've got that 100 miles sitting here. I haven't obtained it yet, and I just want to, you know, whether it's for awareness or if it's just some crazy weekend, I train for it and just go do it to stay. I do. It. I want to get 100 miles um, in that 24 hour window. You know, that gets but, me
0: to my follow up. So. <laughs> And correct me if I say anything that that's wrong here. If I remember from the first part when we were talking about this leading up to the race, in the 2020 attempt, you did a lot of cross training. Yep. You didn't get as many miles as you would like to do. Mm-hmm. For this attempt, you got in a lot of miles and you kind of you, you backburnered a lot of cross training and didn't really do that. Is that correct mm-hmm. so far?
1: I did backburn. I just did none.
0: Okay. <laughs> be, okay. Yeah. I was, <laughs> all right. The, the honesty is there. So here's what I'm <laughs> going to say. Yeah. If I, I genuinely believe, and maybe this is the obsessed runner in me, maybe this is the run coach in me. Maybe this is the stuff that I hear from my run coach always beating it in my head. I genuinely believe after getting 90 miles in your first attempt and 80 miles in your second attempt with disgusting temperatures, I truly believe with every fiber in my body that if you train properly with the mileage and you stick to a plan and you also cross train the strength aspect of it and you do it in a location where the humidity and the heat will be in your favor in September, if those three things right there, there is no doubt in my mind, I would bet the farm you can hit 100 miles in 24 hours and i think you could even hit the 108 uh the the 104.8 i genuinely with every fiber in me believe that you could do that um if you just those three things right there are going to be huge not running in 100 degree weather getting your mileage in um and and cross training cross training cross training um those those three things right there there's no doubt in my mind bro that you can do this just based uh, I- off of the short time i've known you and what you've said about your attempts and your training those three things right there, there is zero. I, you, you hundred percent have this. You're like knocking at the door. You just got to put those three. the, the other two. I mean, you can't control weather as much, but those other two getting the mileage and the strength training, the the cross training in the same season, those that, that right there might get you the hundred and not doing it in the humidity might get you that extra 4.8 that, that oh. those, those might be the differences right there.
1: Yeah. I'm not, I can't disagree with you at all. Yeah, definitely. Most absolutely.
0: Yeah. We want to see you do it, brother. I want nothing. I want <laughs> you to. I want nothing but success from you. I absolutely love everything you're doing. You are. Appreciate- you are great for the community, um, both uh, the the recovery community and the fitness community. Um, you're doing amazing things. The relationship that you have with your children now is just unbelievable. I mean, look at, it shows the way you raised your daughter and the way you brought her up to, you know, when she's out there talking shit to you, when you're ready to give up on yourself, it yeah. just shows how much you showed in her. And, and I can only imagine, you know, when you're saying that some of the stuff she said to you, you know, cause I just think about if I was out there pacing you or I was out there accruing you, I just think about some of the stuff I would say to you, because I don't know if you're like me in the heat of the battle, but I know the way my brain works, my recovery brain, my athlete brain, my competitive brain. Um, I know I would have probably been talking shit to you in a way too, like, dude, you were fucking strung out on drugs and you were drunk and this and that, what the fuck is getting out there and running a couple more miles? Like, shut up, get up and let's go, let's go do. And, you know, and again, I don't know, maybe you don't respond well to that, but if someone says that shit to me, I'm going to be like, fuck you, but you're not wrong. Give me these potato chips and some Coca-Cola yep. and I'm getting the fuck back out there. Let's go. Because, you know, mama ain't raised no bitch. And yeah, we got to do what we got to do.
1: And my wife's, uh, you know, kind of under her breath in the morning, too. She's like, oh, maybe you'll get to 70. That's not bad. And I knew. And I looked at her. I'm like, excuse me. I'll get more. You know, I'm going to get more than 70. But she she's good about kind of poking at me, too. You know, kind of a little reverse psychology type of deal. Like with, oh, well, 70's not bad. That's OK. I'm like, no, it's not. And it's got to be more something. You know, so let's go for eighty or whatever the case.
0: Oh, so, Rod, seventy but, miles. That's cute. It's okay, yeah. baby. Fuck, are you saying? Let's go. Yeah. See, I love. It. See, she knows. She knows how to trigger you.
1: Yeah, and then, so that's why we stopped for 25 seconds. Those last two and a half hours, you know, we got shit to do. It's, you know, so it's like I said. If, and we can, I can talk about the miles. We can talk about the miles. The thing was that. uh, it was all just about awareness. So, I mean, yeah. at talk- the end of the day, you, you
0: reached a lot of people, man. And, and yeah. I, I love it. I love it. Uh, when I was out in my half marathon, um, I had, I was dedicating my half marathon, um, to a, a, a couple different things. First, I'm, I'm training three awesome people for a couch to 5k. They're in awesome. recovery and we're, we're doing a, a couch to 5k program in which they're almost done. They're three weeks away from the race. And right. so, um, I was, I was dedicating to them as well. And so the first hour of the, the first half of my race, uh, for the out and back was, was thinking about you and having a heavy heart for you and thinking, you know, this is my first hour and I'm trying to get out there, you know, I'm trying to figure out how my knee's going to hold up from the injury I had. And, and, you know, it, it kind of sucked to start off cause I I've gained some weight, uh, from the time that I couldn't run. And so for the, for the first half, I'm thinking, you know, this kind of sucks you know maybe i'm not going to pr today and i already had some of those thoughts that like you know maybe i'll just set this as my goal or that is my goal and then i figured i you know i said fuck this rods already been out there for 23 hours he already told me how the the weather sucked when we were talking and i saw so you know how am i going to bitch up i'm only doing 13.1 how am i going to bitch up and and you know if if he can do this for 24 hours you know, I, I can't soften up here. I gotta, I gotta ride with it and I gotta finish. I gotta start strong while he's finishing. And then for the second half, it was, it was that same mentality towards the people that I'm coaching. And it was like, you know, I tell them every day that we're out there, embrace the suck, embrace the suck, embrace the suck. If this was easy, everybody would do it. If this was easy, everybody would do it. Every, there'd be 5,000 people out here because it's easy, but it's not easy And it's for those who, who want it. You got to want it. You got to want it. And so, you know, I, I did that for that part. And then, you know, as I'm pushing through the finish line, you know, I only got 25 seconds off the PR, but I got a PR and, and, you know, to me that actually meant a lot too, because I lost the entire month of July running and from, from a knee injury and I gained 20 pounds over, over that last eight weeks before race day, Because before my injury, I was probably about 132, 133, and I came in on race day at 152. So I mean that's that's a huge difference. They say, uh, I I actually just heard this in a podcast yesterday. When you're uh, gaining or losing weight, they say uh two seconds for every two seconds per mile per pound. So so if I gained 20 pounds, I pretty much took away 40 seconds, 40 seconds uh a mile. So if that's if that's the case, then shit, the fact that I even PR'd by an average of two seconds per mile, you know, it just means that how much harder I had to work for it. So, you know, I'll take it. And, and, you know, again, I'm just glad that you were doing this when you were doing it. And I was able to feed off of your energy from all the way over here in Pennsylvania and the vibes that you sent out and this connection that we have, man, um, this definitely, this isn't one of those connections that's going to stop at a podcast interview. And I'm not going to I'm not going to hear from you for a year. Like, I, well, I definitely see us talking a lot more, communicating, figuring sure. out ways that we can get you out for your next attempt. Any and aside from running any projects, anything you're doing, you know, you have the staying Fit Odak community behind you now. We're here. We want to support you. We want to love you. We want to embrace everything you're doing. And, you know, you you have people here, bro. You have well, on you, you have it, another it army my- behind you.
1: Awesome. That really means a lot. And uh, thanks for uh, you shot me a text. I think um, my brain, you know, I don't I can remember some things and other things. It's kind of a blur. But I think you shot me a text like finish strong to, you know, in so many words that Sunday morning. So stuff like that. There's other people that would shoot me a text, you know, or shoot me a text in the afternoon. So I had my phone in my pocket. I had had music going on in my ears. So that was always appreciated. And then my brother who lives in Florida, he ran for an hour right when I started. And then he took a picture. He like, all right, I did one hour. You can do the next 23, you know, type of deal. Just more of a, you know, more of just some good motivation from other from friends, family and stuff. So that's, that helps get, get, get a person through it all too.
0: Yeah. I left my phone in the car for the, uh, for the half marathon, um, cause I, d- I didn't want to carry it and where it was, there wasn't really lock boxes or anything. So I left it in my car. You were the last person that I communicated with before I turned off awesome. my phone and left it in my car. I called my I called my wife and son um, to tell them that I love them. I was getting ready to start the race and whatnot. And then as soon as I hung up, I sent that text to you right before I turned off the phone. Cause I wanted to, I wanted to send it as late as possible before having to head down to the start line. Sure. Like I said, that's, I was just feeding off those vibes from right away. And that's, yeah, just let's, I think I said, finish strong. Let's fucking go. And Thanks, that's, so, yeah. that's, that's how we, that's how we do, man. That's how uh- we do.
1: You were talking about, you know, weight loss and stuff. And on Saturday morning, I got up early and I, I didn't sleep very good at all. I think I woke up like at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, you know, and I just tossed and turned and finally got out of bed like at 6. So I'm thinking, Jesus, I'm going to be up for 30 hours basically by that time. So I hopped in the shower. But before I got in the shower, Saturday morning, I weighed myself. I weighed 188, buddy, 188. Um, I got in the shower Sunday morning after I, after I ate and stuff. And before I crashed out, I weighed one seventy-eight. I lost ten pounds um, over that time frame. You know, have like you, you weighed yourself sweated.
0: since? How much have you gotten back? I,
1: uh, I need to see how it's come back. I'm, I'll be curious this morning. I'm going to go belt.
0: with you're probably forty-eight hours after being done. Now, mm-hmm. are I'm I'm going to go with you're probably one eighty-three, one eighty-five. Pending oh. pending what your actual what your weight should have been because it depending how often the 188 uh was yeah. from you know when your last meal was and how much that was to how close that was to your natural weight. How tall I'm are you? I'm
1: five, one eighty eight. I'm six one.
0: Okay. Also one eighty-eight is slim.
1: Yeah, I for me, yeah. So I'm yeah, I wrote one eighty three down. I'll go weigh myself here after a bit and I'll see, I'll see you a text.
0: Nice for sure. Uh last question we have before we let you go. Yep. For, for all of our listeners out there, for, for the different types of listeners that we have, for those that are still sick and suffering who might need to hear something to help them put the drink or the drug down, or for people that might be suffering from mental health issues, suicidal thoughts, because you just ran for suicide prevention. For all of those people who might be having terrible, terrible thoughts, you know they might be, they might be drinking right now. They might be high right now for those people that need to hear something to put that down. And for the other part of our listeners who are sober and they are clean right now, but they're maybe thinking about picking up and they're thinking about throwing their time away for, for both of those different types of listeners. What can you Rod, what can you say to them that might help them either put the drink or the drug down today or prevent them from picking it up? What kind of wisdom can you give to those listeners?
1: Yeah, just, you know, reach out, you know, there's, we got to help end that stigma. It's okay to not be okay. Like you, like you hear a lot of people say, but you got to reach out, take that, you know, 24 hour run, take a, if you're out in active addiction, let's just shoot for 24 hours. Let's even, let's drop it down to 12 hours or six hours. If need be, let's just break it down into small increments. You know, let's, you know, you're still here on earth for a reason. So let's just better ourselves. Let's get let's get into some some sobriety, let's get into some clean time, uh, you know, go out and get some fresh air, change it up, but, you know, ask for help, you know, if you don't ever ask for help, you're not ever going to get it, you know, nobody can make us go to treatment, we have to do it on our own, um, but it always helps to, to reach out to somebody to help get resources and what have you, and, you know, if you're in sobriety, you got some clean time, you're thinking about going back out, don't, I mean, play the tape all the way through. You know, what's going to happen. Pass,
0: play the tape
1: through jails, institutions, and death. I mean, I'm fortunate enough to have my family still I shouldn't, but I do. And, you know, I know if I go back out now, I'll lose everything. And I'm, if I decide to go back out, I'm not going to start small. I'm going to go back, head dive in head first, right where I left. You know, I'm not going to drink a beer. I'm going to go get a bottle. I'm not going to smoke weed. I'm going to go do Coke or something. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. So it's just, you got to just do it for you. You know, you got to want it, like I said, break it down in 24 hour increments one day at a time, you know, just keep doing what you, what you can do.
0: Absolutely. I love it. And, and thank you so much again for following up with us today. Um, thanks. I I feel like I I misled you, but I'm glad that we had a lot of open time and I'm really glad we started even earlier than we were supposed to today because, you know, I told you, you know, it's probably not more than 30, 45 minutes, you know, how long, how long could we talk? Um, but then I, you know, I don't know why I just forgot how interesting you are and how <laughs> fucking epic of an attempt that you were doing and how Mid-time. important it was and how the cause was like, maybe we could have talked about this race in 10, 15 minutes. If you were just going out and doing a regular ass ultra and you sure. know, whatnot. And we could have talked about, Oh, cool. You hallucinated. You did this. You did that. You ate some snacks. You got out there. You got your buckle. You got your shirt. Cool. No but we're when when you're talking about why you did it, who you did it for, the awareness that you're raising, we can't we can't sidestep any little details in there. We got to take All the right. time. And you know, I told you 30 45 minutes and I think this part already we've definitely been over an hour. Um yeah. I can tell you, I can tell you and 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 this is why I don't put a time limit on my episodes. And that's why you know if you want to listen to a podcast that's only 45 or 45 minutes or an hour long uh, episode, then this isn't the podcast for you. But if you mm-hmm. have the time, to either take it, take us out on your long run, or take us on the trails with you, or you know, hit the pause button and pick up where you left off. These are the kind of interviews that hit for you because we're not going to skip anything. We're going to hit everything, and we're going to give you all the details, and we're going to leave nothing out there. We're not going to leave you wondering, well, what did Rod do here? Now I, I try, I try and think of as much as I can, and that's why I love. And I can tell you right now, you might, you might not have gotten 104 miles this weekend but you may, or it's going to be close. You may or may not have broken the record for the longest staying fit. Oh, podcast episode. So we'll take what's. it's, it's going to be close. You're a hundred percent. This is by time, this comes by time, this comes out. This is, this is probably somewhere between the, the 55 and the 60th episode. By the time it comes out, it's a hundred percent, uh, a top five length and it might even be like top three. It might even be number one. So. I'm going to have to yeah. find out for sure and shoot you a text afterwards.
1: Yeah. I was going to tell you too. Uh, that's pretty exciting. You got miss uh, Corbett. I saw somewhere online.
0: Oh dude. She is so awesome. So they actually See, the way I got quick, her. Yeah, for sure. Go
1: ahead. I've read her book, right? She's got a book. I've read it and I'm not going to tell any secrets about the book, but she comes through Kansas in her book. And she's got a story about when she was in her active addiction in, in uh, Wichita, Kansas, which is like the biggest city in in Kansas, so I'm like, oh my god, she's. In, I'm reading now. I'm like, she's in Kansas. I I've, I've followed her on some social media and stuff, and I've, you know, she's the type too. If you if you say something or message her, she replies.
0: I'm like, bro, you took the that's, words. That's exactly what I was gonna it, say right before I let you finish cool. that, dude. She's she's unfucking believable. So the the way that I got her, um, I don't want to say got her, but the way that I was able to get her in for an interview, uh, I was. Uh, listening to her book on audible while I was training for a run after I listened to the um, David Goggins book, I immediately Mm -hmm. went into hers. And so I started listening to hers. Those are the two books that got me through my marathon training last winter. And as I'm listening to her book, I'm like, I started following her on Instagram uh, Mm -hmm. right away. And then I was like, all right, cool. Like she posts some cool stuff. I sent her the same way I sent David Goggins a message and I'm not talking shit about Goggins. I completely understand. You know, I sent him a message and said, Hey, I would love to get you on the podcast. I would love to talk to you. You know, what you're doing is really awesome. Um, To be honest, I didn't expect a response. He's got a million booking tours and he's doing this and that. I didn't even expect a response. So I'm not even mad that he did it. I get it. I understand. So When I actually sent the message to Catcher on Instagram, to be honest, I expected the same thing. I'm not even going to be mad when you don't respond. You know, you probably have a million things going on. You're, you know, you're, you're an author. You go out, you're a sponsored runner. You're doing all these trail runs and whatnot. I'm not even going to be mad when you don't respond. Dude, it wasn't even a couple hours and it wasn't even days. It was a few hours after I sent her the message. Um, and I said, you know, Hey, I have this podcast and blah, blah, blah. I would love to interview you. And she's like, yeah, sure. Um, I have this race coming up. I forget how she said it. I have this race coming up. So we either got to do it like really, really soon before I start getting into preparation for it or afterwards. And we set it up. She didn't flake out of me. She didn't reschedule. Oh my God. I was like, that was the, to, to me as, as a runner. And as someone in recovery, she was and all of my interviews are just as important as the next one, because we all have a story. But if you're if if you're trying to talk like celebrity status type thing, she was like the first person that I got that, like the average person, whether they are not in recovery or whatnot. Like if you just follow trail running and you say catcher dirt diva Corbett, you know Mm -hmm. that name um, because she's a beast out there. So that was like the first person that I got on that level. And I was so excited to get that interview. It was so awesome. Um, So yeah, dude, again, thanks so much. And you know, we, this, this last part of rambling might've even got us over the, over that finish line too, to get this. We're trying to get this as the longest episode we're trying. Uh, But yeah, dude, this was, this was so much fun. Uh, It was, it was a blast. Uh, Go ahead and throw out all of um, your social media platforms. Um, Anything you want to say for our listeners, and I'm going to put links in the show notes as well. But anything you might want to say as far as ways that they can follow you, find you, anybody that you want to shout out that you haven't yet, um, any, any corporations, industry, what, the, the, the stage is yours right now to give anybody and everybody a shout out that you want to right now. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. Like, so, so I don't do a whole bunch, but we got a TikTok, of course. It's a run for uh, my life. Instagram's run for my life 2020. Um, Twitter is just my first and last name, Roderick Baker O uh, seven. Don't do Facebook. That's about all the the social I've got. But yeah, I just you know, shout out to the Recovery Army Outreach Program, what they do in Philly with Mike and Jen. Um, and then like this weekend, them coming all the way out to Dodge City, Kansas. They didn't have to do that. They took PTO time off to come out here. They didn't get paid or any of that stuff. But and then my wife and daughter too. I wouldn't have been able to stay out there for. 24 hours without their support and love and, and just the community involvement so you know just yeah no no sponsors you know for per se but uh some some people did help us get a to get did help us get mike and jen uh uh flown out here the local coffee shop the red uh, red beard coffee a good friend of mine so if you're ever in dodge you know it's a good coffee spot but no i just appreciate uh appreciate you having me on it, it means a lot
0: it was a lot of fun. It was, it was genuinely a lot of fun, yeah. man. I, I appreciate you, you know, making yourself so available. Um, this was a lot of, it was, it was just so much fun. Words don't can't express. It was such a blessing. This is such a cool interview. You're so many interesting, man. I feel like I could talk to you for another two hours, just shooting the show. Uh, it's just, you just, you just give those vibes, man. You're all about the community and I absolutely love it. Uh, so, yeah, at this point, then, we just want to thank you so much for being with us today, Rod. It, 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 like I said, man, I can't say enough how much of a blessing it was. On behalf of everybody in the Staying Fit ODAC community, on Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook, on the original community page that we started, uh, on behalf of all of our listeners on this podcast, uh, Rod, we want you to continue staying healthy, continue staying fit. And, brother, tell us how you're doing it. One day at a time, my guys. I absolutely love it. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Staying Fit ODAT. If you yourself identify as someone in recovery, whether it be from alcoholism, substance abuse, anxiety, depression, or any other type of mental health issue, then please join the group on Facebook at Staying Fit O-D-A-A-T, three different words. If you do not identify as someone in recovery, but you like everything we have going on, and you want to continue staying in the loop with everything, then please follow us on Instagram at Staying Fit O-D-A-A-T, You can also email us with any questions, comments, or concerns at stayingfitodaat at gmail.com. Until next time, just know you're loved, continue staying healthy, continue staying fit, and please keep doing this one day at a time.